the views and opinions expressed by tonight's guest and topic of discussion do not necessarily represent the official policy or position of Spaced Out Radio, Spaced Out Weekend, Spaced Out Radio Limited, its hosts, syndicated carriers, or anyone associated with this broadcast. Any rebroadcast, reproduction, or other use of this broadcast or podcast without the express written consent of Spaced Out Radio or Spaced Out Radio Limited is strictly prohibited. Listener discretion is advised. the mountains of British Columbia to you listening around the world. This is Spaced Out Radio with host Dave Scott. They let us play with all our toys. They let us think that we're big boys. They let us make a lot of noise but we're the world. They let us think we're Superman. You can follow us on our website, spacedoutradio.com on iTunes and tune in. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio on Facebook at Spaced Out Radio Show, or on our YouTube channel, Spaced Out Radio Show. Are you playing with Bigfoot and aliens again? Uh, Dad, you gotta stop haunting the goat. It's scaring them. All right, seriously, put down the pointy sticks. Buckle up, space travelers. It's time to go for a ride on Spaced Out Radio. Mr. Bumblefoot, Dave is ready for liftoff. Seriously, Dave? Really? Aren't you a little old for a tinfoil hat? I am. Toby. Bye-bye. you. Bye-bye. Get 
Good evening and welcome to Spaced Out Radio tonight. I am your host, Dave Scott, and it's great to have you along for the ride on this Wednesday, June 14th, Thursday, June 15th. If you're on the East Coast or across the pond, hope you had a great day and night. We are live right here in the Great White North on top of the mountains of central British Columbia as we are here seven days a week. We welcome in everyone listening in on WQEE 99 Rock the Key down in noon in Georgia, home of the Walking Dead. We are live as well on the United Public Radio Network on 107.7 FM in New Orleans and over 160 countries around the world. We're live at spaceoutradio.com, Spreaker, KTLK, The Fringe FM, Renegade Talk Radio out of Las Vegas, The High Plains Talk Radio Network, and if you're listening in on Revolution Radio, remember the Double R Machine is a donation station financed by you, the valued listener. Head on over to freedomslips.com and donate today. Horns up if you love our music, provided by the guitar god himself, Mr. Ron Bubblefoot Thal, formerly of Guns N' Roses, currently of Art of Anarchy. Bumblefoot is the official sound of SOR. Hey, if you're a social media junkie like I am, do me a favor. Follow us on Twitter, at Spaced Out Radio. You can give our Facebook page a like, Spaced Out Radio Show. On Instagram, follow me at Dave Scott, SOR. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Spaced Out Radio Show. You can tune us in on TuneIn. Download our shows from iTunes. We're also on RadioGuide.fm, TalkStream Live, Player.fm, and Stitcher. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. And if you head on over to patreon.com for as low as a buck a month, you can become a patron of SOR as well. Now, if you want to take part in this show and you're a new listener, just got to fill you in. We do not take phone calls here. I want to call screener first before we start that. But you can sign in to one of our chat rooms if you want to participate because we got some great people all around. You can go to our website by clicking on Listen Live. You can listen in on Revolution Radio, on Spreaker, on the UPRN chat room, or maybe, just maybe, you're one of the lucky members, like Bob, to be a part of the SOR Space Travelers Club. Or if you're on Twitter, use the hashtag Spaced Out Radio. I'll get to your questions and comments in there as well. Now, if you head to our website for just five bucks a month, you can become an SOR space traveler. And as of right now, go to our Spaced Out Radio store because you need one of our Spaced Out Radio t-shirts. You need an autograph poster from me and some stickers to stick around. Put them on the bumper of your car. I don't know, windows, signs on the street corner. I don't care. Let's get the word out there. You can also pick up your VIP passes to the first annual Caribou Paracon being held up here in 108 Mile Ranch, British Columbia, September 29th to October 1st at the beautiful Spruce Hills Spa and Resort. Three days of paranormal adventure coming at you. We want you there, and up until July 31st, you can get your VIP tickets for just, or with, rather, 10% off the sticker price. So make sure you pick those up. We have a news section on our website called The Encounter Online, dealing with everything paranormal and strange, courtesy of our editors Eric Markham and Everett Themer. And you can check out my latest blog there as well. And if you've had an experience you can't explain, do us a favor, fill out a Sightlines report. We want to get to that as well. 
We're heading to California tonight to introduce you to a new friend to Spaced Out Radio, and that is Tim Doyle from UFOseekers.com. When it comes to alien stories and UFOs darting across the skies, there always has to be a place for someone to make a report. Now, with MUFON having the infamous, or famous, whatever you want to call it, notoriety that they have, some are looking for other avenues to explore their experiences. And this is where Tim and his partner Tracy come into play. UFO Seekers is a credible website with first-hand video footage of aircraft phenomenon to recorded first-hand accounts of experiences people have had. Tim has even went as far with his expert eye to break down videos to see whether or not we, the public, have been duped into believing some footage is real or fake. Tim describes UFOseekers.com as his life's passion. He's determined to solve the UFO mystery with truth, not whether or not he can get close to the truth, make that now whether or not he can get close, that's a different matter. But the reason why I feel Tim's research stands above many in this field is he's tired of people true experiencers, getting the short end of the pointy stick when it comes to finding out what's happening to them. And that's where honesty and credibility of Tim's research comes into play. And that's why we're bringing him together as of tonight with Spaced Out Radio. Tim, welcome to Spaced Out Radio. I want to introduce you to my large and loving audience of the SOR crowd. How are you, my friend? I am great, Dave, and I really appreciate you giving me the chance to come on, and hello, space travelers. You know what? I want to make an announcement here, because you and UFOseekers.com is the first official contract that we have signed with Spaced Out Radio. So we are going to be working together for a long time here as we build both UFO Seekers Nation and Spaced Out Radio Nation, and we're going to work together. We're going to be combined. we got to work hard in order to bring the people together, to bring the stories out. And i got to tell you, man, for my entire team to have you and your team join Spaced Out Radio, it is a very, very big step forward for us, my friend. And I want to just make that full announcement on the show tonight because it's important to know and for our audience to know that we are growing, we're looking to get bigger, we're looking to get better, and we're looking to add good quality people to our team. And that's what you bring to the table. So welcome to the Spaced Out Radio team, you and Tracy. Yeah, thanks so much, Dave. And your radio show is is so amazing. And that's why, you know, I, I sent that first communication out to you is there any way that that we can partner up and and help you guys out because i really feel that you guys are on fire and bringing uh different different perspectives and different guests on than anyone's ever heard before and i really hope that uh ufo seekers can help bring uh more united states content to your followers you know so maybe this is more of something international where canada and usa are teaming up to bring people more about the truth and, you know, I'm also excited because you have some amazing reports and features and videos. You're going to be helping us redesign the Spaced Out Radio website. So it's going to be very, very intriguing. I mean, I'm so excited to see what you're going to bring to that. But you're also going to be bringing a lot of live videos. So people, when they visit UFOseekers.com or they visit Spaced Out Radio and click on one of the UFO Seekers videos... They're going to be be able to see quality information. They're going to be able to see quality film with document in a documentary style, 
And I think you are going to add a lot of credibility, man, to what we do. I really do. And like I said, we are excited to bring you back into the team and and to join us. And you are also going to be starting a monthly UFO Seekers show, which as of July will become the third Monday of every month. So I'm excited about this. We're going to make this happen. And it's going to be a great, great partnership for both sides as we continue to grow. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, UFO Seekers is a, is a non-governmental um, agency. We're actually a, a licensed functional business. We're a news media company, and it's our job to follow UFO news and take it serious. I've actually worked in the media and news and publishing industry, and so I understand about uh, going and getting a story, taking documented evidence, and that's kind of what's happened with UFO Seekers. Uh, both me and Tracy... Uh, always grew up being into conspiracies and UFOs and things like that, and we've had personal UFO sightings. But um, in our relationship, we spent a lot of time doing astrophotography, and we actually live by a lot of United States Air Force bases. And, you know, just in our travels, and we, we do like to go out and travel a lot, we ended up seeing lots of things in the sky, and, and we've kind of turned that in to UFO seekers. And now UFO seekers has become so popular that we're actually getting five to ten quality reports every week and it's become part of our job to be almost like the ghostbusters of ufos you know if somebody has an issue or a problem we have no problem traveling throughout the united states to go and investigate these people's reoccurring sightings or these abnormal reports or if they see a ufo crash and being like the ufo busters and going out and trying to get documented evidence so we're not just about necessarily sharing uh, secondhand stories. UFO Seekers is about catching firsthand evidence. So in every investigation we do, it's all prioritized around video and photography. And so we go out, we try to take um, video evidence of the locations where these things happened. We talk to local people who don't really know what, what we're up to, so they're honest with us. And then we actually do sky watching ourselves and spend night after night or week after week or month after month, whatever it takes to find evidence of what people are reporting to us. I want to know how you got started on this. What, what led you down this path that you absolutely needed to start UFOseekers.com? Honestly, I have always been a person where I seem to leave the house and something is going to happen. I mean, it's kind of always been a, a bad trait that I've had. Um, I'm the first person on a fire all the time. And so I'll end up putting out fires or helping in a car accident. And somehow this kind of luck transcends when I go and try to find these objects. But we also combine that with, with heavy research and not coming at it with a biased perspective. So we never know what, what we're looking for, and we're never trying to necessarily give an answer. We're just looking for evidence of those things. And so being, you know, can, conspiracy lovers and UFO lovers, I don't think there's a person out there who doesn't use the Internet to help quench their thirst or appetite for this phenomenon, or if you want to call it like an industry, the UFO industry. You know, people are searching YouTube they're looking online for videos. And from, from our experience and what we've seen over the past, it's really hard to disseminate what's fake from real. And there's so much CGI stuff and animation stuff 
And these people are posting these things because they get revenue from these online um, mediums where they post these things. And so it becomes kind of a greed over truth type of thing. And we really wanted UFO, UFO seekers to become truth over money. Um, and we've even had, you know, similar experiences with MUFON, although I, I do have individual people from MUFON who reach out and I have relationships for. You know, sometimes I just, I, I wish MUFON would do, do more to spend more time sending investigators out to individual places. And so I'm, I'm not the type of person who wants to um, go after anybody or call anybody out. I love MUFON. I mean, they're one of the reasons I do what I do, and they give us access to the information that they have. And so instead of launching campaigns to attack people, we decided to start UFO Seekers and just add another piece of the puzzle to people's um, UFO discovery. Um, you know, when they're looking for something, they need content and they're looking for content. And that's what we feel is our part of the UFO community is bringing that forward and then leaving more scientific analysis to people like MUFON because I know they have scientists, PhDs. Dave, I have no PhDs, so I wouldn't even pretend to know what some of these guys know. But that's not my mission. My mission is to get documented evidence and no one can refute that. And that's the big one. The better the evidence, the more we're going to be able to solve this mystery. And I'm a firm believer of that. And we need to look into it and we need to be critical of that evidence. When you first started in here, I, I know you knew the stories of whether they were real or not. They're pretty easy if you look at it to, to be able to tell. But were you surprised when you got started in this field how much fakery and trickery there was? Yeah, it is incredible. And in fact, I've even had, um, you know, growing up, my, my, my main career growing up was always marketing. And so being in, I was a web designer and being in web design, I would work with video editors who would put something together and then I'd work with them. And so I just learned from watching how people would do animation. I, I think people would be surprised if they're fans of UFO seekers to know that I actually only use CyberLink PowerDirector to edit our videos. So it doesn't even offer the capabilities of doing heavy CGI animation, and I like keeping it that way. And so after going out, um, you know, Tracy was the big buff, and Tracy started showing me um, the number one person on YouTube who posts about UFO news daily. And that's where I started seeing things that come through that you know is just fake, and the person is leaving it in innuendo to, th to make you believe that it's real, and not necessarily giving you both sides of the story. I think anybody who's living in this day and age and looks out at things like news media can make a perfect correlation. If you're going to watch a news station that's going to teach you about daily news or about politics or government, you don't want something that's biased and just only has one perspective. You want to watch a show that has people coming from both sides of the aisle up and, and giving you both sides of the story because there's always two sides to every story. And so through the work that I've been doing, I've actually built relationships with people like Scott Brando from UFO of Interest, um, the popular YouTube channel UFO Theater, which is a video effects specialist um, gentleman from Hollywood. Um, and I've actually kind of teamed up with these people to help bring credibility to the um, to the industry and to help people disseminate what they're looking at. So what are people looking at, in your opinion? So out of every 10 videos that you see, 
how many are real and how many do you think are just an absolute f- fake? Right, right. You know, it's funny. If I was going to give you out of 10, it'd be like 0.5. It really is that rare. Even if you're going to ask MUFON and people who are, are scientists, or even if we're going to ask high-level government people a serious question, hey, do extraterrestrials visit? And if they do, how much are they visiting? The true reality is, is out of, a, out of all of the sightings MUFON gets every year, I believe they say about 10 of them are something that is just abnormal and unexplainable and may be something extraterrestrial. Most of the time, I do believe what people are looking at are military or government. Now, that doesn't discount the fact that what they may be looking at is some extreme or secret technology. And that is really um, goes hand in hand with what we do. If, if the governments and the military have these technologies that are so profound 50 years ahead in the future. Is it, is it, where is the line drawn where keeping these things secret for national security purposes start making you wonder about are we oppressing our people? I mean, if we're using taxpayer money to fund military projects that have created technologies that are so advanced you could have a free energy or an anti-gravity machine or um, – you know, you could filter water a lot better and easily. Why would you be keeping things like that for national security instead of helping the people move into the next age? You know, me and Tracy are huge Star Trek fans. And the greatest thing about uh, what Gene Roddenberry wrote in Star Trek was the fact that they'd moved beyond uh, monetary issues being a problem with, with regular life. And because of the replicator machine, people were able to pursue... Uh, more intellectual goals and and arts and things like that. And so if we do have these technologies, which may be what these people are seeing, which are incredible and we all would like to know about it, then we really believe that some of these technologies should be made public so that people could advance more and, and it could make life easier. And in fact, that's what happened to us one time, Dave. We went out to Edwards Air Force Base. Now, if you do your homework, you can learn more about what's called the R-2508 military complex. UFO Seekers is based in Bakersfield. We just happen to be on the border of the R-258 airspace military complex. And what that is, is a combination of Edwards Air Force Base, China Lake, uh, Fort Irwin. And that's where the pilots can do their tests or they run experiments, things like that. And so in doing our research on this complex, we managed to find an area in their guides that was designated for, for unmanned craft. And so we hiked up a thousand foot mountain up to a military barrier fence built on the mountain. And so we hiked up this thousand foot mountain to the edge of this fence that was overlooking an unmanned airspace in a valley where they have targets set up like fake planes and fake buildings. And we actually went out during the Super Bowl. So while everyone else is watching the Super Bowl and glued to the TV, you know, UFO Seekers is a 24-7 thing. So instead of watching the Super Bowl, that's when we know we should be out watching for an experiment because these things are so rare. They might happen four to five times a year depending on which project it is and where it's at. So these holidays and, and things like that, is, is common sense a good time for you to go out and try to experience these things? And so we hike up this mountain, um, and, and, and we park, we start watching. Of course, we expect nothing to happen. 
And so all of a sudden, Tracy notices from back to our left, to the west, from behind this hillside at about a 1,200-foot elevation, this craft floats from behind the mountain and goes almost up above us. And Tracy looks and goes, oh, my gosh, is that a surveillance drone? Look, they're watching us. And we both look up, and it, it's this X floating through the air. So we did manage to capture some video evidence of it. We captured a, a sequence of at least 30 photographs of it, which people can see posted on our YouTube channel. Um, it's up to about 260,000 views now. And we believe that we actually captured some type of anti-gravity military balloon. Like it's some type of craft that's filled with air. And from a military source that, I've ha that, that I have, they gave me some information, and that usually happens that way. I catch something. I have uh, inside military sources. I ask them, hey, look what I caught. I'm going to post it and say, you know, something. Can you help me out? And that's where I figured out that this thing runs on static electricity. So it truly is like some type of anti-gravity device. It's shaped like an X, probably two to four feet tall. It has no rotors or anything visible. In our photographs, you can see an antenna coming from the top of it. So it doesn't, you know, it's a balloon. It doesn't have a string hanging down. It had an antenna going up. You can see some type of like force field or energy field around the craft. And then on the X, you can see like a rectangular box where they would store electronics. And so what this is, is uh, either some type of weather balloon, it might be a disposable surveillance item, you know, something that they throw out of an airplane and it goes down and it's just disposable to surveil a, a heavy war area. But we actually captured evidence of this. It's something using static electricity to move. Why isn't that information out in the public? We're going to get more into the whole conspiracy side of what they are hiding and what they are not. But first, I want to focus on debunking. You do a lot of debunking of film. Why do you think this is important to put on UFOseekers.com? Well, I think the most important thing for anybody, um, being a huge fan of the X-Files, I don't think you'll find a bigger fan of the X-Files than me. I call myself a junkie and what's so amazing about uh, what Chris Carter wrote in the X-Files is Mulder's search for the truth no matter what in fact at the at the end of the season they didn't even necessarily bring any truth to the public although Mulder and Scully were able to figure out the truth themselves um, about the government conspiracy and the alien hybrid stuff like that they didn't actually get to take any physical evidence, and Chris Carter was really big about that. Every episode you watch Mulder search, the government uses him to find the evidence, and then the government takes the evidence, and the public never figures it out. And so I've always wondered, after watching all these TV shows, all these YouTube channels, all of these people hunting for these things, how do I really know that anyone is telling me the, telling me the truth? And I think if anybody listens to someone like uh, Dr. Stanton Friedman, that's when they're going to start to see through that that's what you'll find in every industry. I don't think they're, that's just human nature. People are going to want to search uh, you know, for money, and they're going to take greed over truth. And that's where I think UFO seekers come, comes in, and, and we tell you who we are. We show you where we go. And then we provide you evidence um, on video or photograph 
that can't be refuted because it's video and photographic evidence. And that's the only way I really feel like we can bring people that truth is, is to bring that content. Now, it doesn't mean that I don't think any, anything else out there is valuable because it is. Um, eyewitness testimonies that people share. I have a great uh, friend who does finding, it's called uh, Finding UFO. All the time he's posting uh, hypnotists. He finds like documentaries on hypnotists who are studying alien abductees. So there is so much more content out there um, to fill those other areas. And I don't necessarily down any of those things. I really just start to question when, when someone is telling everybody a lie to make money, it just really makes you wonder about, about those people and how, how they view others because they're just making money based on a sham. And so I really hope that UFO seekers can be similar to MUFON, uh, but provide something a little more personal. Because, you know, if something gets big, just like MUFON has, sometimes you lose like that personal relationship, like person to person, because something's full of human resources and corporate handbooks and all this stuff. And UFO Seekers is literally just me and Tracy. We do everything together, um, and, and we handle everything from our online presence to taking the video, planning what we're doing, um, the budgets for what we're doing. All of this stuff is just taken care of by us, so we don't owe anybody anything. We don't have to pledge allegiance to anyone. We just go out and try to bring people the truth, even if it means we'll never be as popular as the most popular channels out there, you know, because I think the more that this fakery exists and because it's fakery, it has to get crazier every time. So every new video posted by these people gets crazier and crazier and crazier. And so when I show somebody a video of the anti-gravity X, they're, dude, they don't care. They don't care. And that's okay. I don't mind if, if a lot of people don't, but it's the truth embedded. And because it doesn't have that wow factor of opening up the top of a spaceship that crashed and something with arms coming out of its head pops up, that's not necessarily what I may catch when I'm going out. I'm trying to bring people what's, what's real and the truth. And sometimes it's just not as popular as those fakery, those fakery videos. Do you believe then, Tim, that there is disinformation going out with these fake videos? Do you think that he is, there are videos out there that are strictly put up by, you know, maybe government agencies who want to add to the speculation, if we can use that term? Or do you think that it's just a bunch of people looking to, you know, see if they could CGI their way to a million hits where they're making some money off of YouTube or a channel like that? Yeah, that is a great question, Dave. Great question. And in fact, I do believe that. I, do, I wouldn't believe that it's everyone, and it never would be. But the government's, the, the, the government's best way to hide the truth is in between two lies. So for every one truth, you have to expect two lies. And one of those just comes from the regular public who wants to make money, and the other one could come from a government agent. Now, people might be surprised like, um, by my opinion on this, but honestly, I was, I was never too big into Jesse Ventura and his conspiracy theory show. Now, that doesn't mean that his individual episodes or topics covered, I didn't believe some of those things or some of those things weren't real. 
The problem was is that I, I know military guys. I, I meet them all the time and they talk to me. I mean, once you're military, Dave, you're always military. Who wouldn't be, man? These guys are patriots, true patriots. But the problem with the Jesse Ventura guy, he's a perfect plant. He's the guy who comes out and gives you that, like, the, uh, the, the satellite array that was created by ARCO AMPM up in Alaska, where they wanted to transfer oil from Alaska to the continental United States. So ARCO developed a 12-piece satellite array that would, that would convert oil into an energy that could be shot with dishes. And this laser beam or this beam could be shot down to the United States where it was recaptured and reconverted into a usable energy so you didn't need oil pipelines. And so what they found out is if they pointed this array towards the sky, they could actually cause a bubble in the ion sphere. So that was one of the first creations to use weather modification um, in warfare applications. Now, Jesse Ventura was one of these guys who kind of brought that to the mainstream. I know it had been around for a long time, but he truly brought stuff like that to the mainstream. The problem was is he'd follow it up with something that was just so outlandish and so unfactual that it made the first story uncredible because now you wouldn't even believe this Jesse Ventura guy. And that's what the government is looking to do. If the government wants to hide a truth, it's going to feed you a story, and then it's going to feed you a second story that makes you look like an idiot. And, and I'm someone who has to worry about that. So let's say I got a video from someone who works in the government, and then I post this video and I stake my credibility on staking a position on what's seen. What's to stop them from then releasing a second video showing that I'm just a hoaxer or doing something? And then every single video I've ever captured or anything then gets viewed as a hoax. So how hard is it to keep that reputation up? How hard is it to keep that credibility, knowing that the first thing everybody is looking at you for, Tim, at UFOSeekers.com, is whether or not your footage is real or fake? Right. We have a we have like a 50-50 problem. I mean, there's people who want to see things so outlandish, they're never going to believe anything I post, and it's so boring. And then also you have people... Because it's the internet, they don't know that we're real people watching the sky seven nights a week, traveling around, um, and really doing these things. So they think we're just another guy sitting behind a computer trying to make hoaxes and push a hoax. So I think in our local area, in our local community, it really isn't a problem. These people know us. I have neighbors you know, who are interested um, and tell me stories, uh, but out on the internet, you know, that's okay, Dave, because I'm still going to keep pushing the truth because we have a, a, a long game outlook on this, which is showing people the truth and getting proven right in the end. And I think a lot of hoaxers um, or people who are putting out fakery don't understand that they're just doing the work of the government. If they truly wanted people to find the truth, they would only share things that bring people the truth because otherwise they're just when they post that fakery hoax video, now every single video they posted before, which could have truth in it, becomes fake. And then all of us out there who are trying to show people real videos, our stuff is just considered fake. And I, I think people might start to notice, like Fox News Tech has been sh sharing a lot of these kind of fringe videos um, that are based on like secondhand reports or just 
NASA footage that, that people analyze and they claim there's a UFO in there, but they inserted it with CGI. When even those people with those high reputations like Fox News are sharing these stories, they're just giving these fakeries more credibility to show the fakeries. And when a mainstream user watches that fakery video on Fox News, they're never going to watch another UFO video. And UFO Seekers is about allowing um, my grandma to my daughter to come on and watch our videos and see something they can understand and then make up their own mind because we're just showing them evidence, not necessarily proclaiming a, a theory as truth. So if you had to battle your critics in regards to setting up UFO seekers. Yeah, but that's one of the reasons we brought in um, um, Scott Brando at UFO Interest and UFO Theater, you know, because one thing I, I, I really want to make sure of is that UFO seekers necessarily isn't, you know, on, on the attack for these things or tries to become, you know, some, somebody on a pedestal who wants, who wants to do this. I think everyone brings a piece to the pie, and there's lots of, uh, like UFO theater, a video effects specialist, that's what he do, does for a living. So for him to watch a hoax video of a CGI animation, it's really easy for him to analyze it, um, process it in Adobe After Effects or Adobe Premiere, pull it apart, stabilize it. Whereas someone like me, I don't want to do that for it's like being the, uh, the president. You know, I want plausible deniability. I don't want to be someone who's fooling around that in-depth with these programs. I'm just someone who wants to take your UFO sighting and come out and try to help you show people that it's real because I truly believe you're not crazy. Like if you've had an alien encounter or you've seen something weird in the sky, I truly believe you, and I will come out and try to help you catch evidence of it. Why do you feel it's important for you to take your team all over the place to try and get that video footage? Why do you choose not to rely on anybody else's footage? Right, that's a great question, and that's because that brings in a trust and credibility factor. If it's secondhand anything, it, it becomes really hard to know where the truth lies. And so I feel us personally, if we can build credibility through our content and show people we're trustworthy and just showing them photographic and video evidence. That's how, that's how we get beyond that. So when you're, when you're doing that and you're obviously getting videos from people who are sending and they're wanting your opinion on it, do you ever run them? I do, but you may be surprised. We've only ever run three. Um, in the whole history of UFO seekers so far. But I actually am about to post one tomorrow from a gentleman in L.A. Uh, who chose to remain anonymous. But the difference for UFO seekers is we call this person. I will be using this person's audio uh, in the video. I visit the locations. So I may provide you even with on-site evidence, and I may even go myself to the area um, in Skywatch talk to neighbors and just like a police investigator i might talk to this gentleman's neighbors to see if he's crazy in fact in the episode um episode 11 that we just posted tonight uh from pine mountain club uh we specifically do that it was a lady who had an alien encounter and we found someone who was a local of the area and that's what i'm asking him hey 
this lady who reported this? Do you know, do you remember that? Hey, is that like the crazy lady down the street or would you trust this person? You know, and he said, oh, the lady's the most normal lady you've ever met in your life. And so that's kind of more of what I'm looking for is that on the ground evidence that, that we can provide to people so they can find that truth. Is it difficult to convince people that you're taking them seriously? Because I know when I first started having my own experiences, Tim, I didn't know who to talk to. Yes, I could talk to Mrs. Spaced Out Radio. I could talk to maybe a couple of friends who were connected as well. But it it became a lonely world, if you know what I'm saying. Right, right. Well, that's where you can turn to someone like us. I mean, honestly, Dave, I've heard your alien encounter stories, and they are crazy. And I truly believe you. You're, I don't think p- people all the time are just inventing stories. Most people have regular jobs. They're regular people. I mean, their spouse might not believe in these things. They're not just going to come out from nowhere and be like, hey, I saw Bigfoot, you know, because it doesn't help anybody. I mean, if you say you've seen these things, it doesn't necessarily help you out there in society. And so instead of you reporting this to um, like a, a UFO reporting center where your information may be public, you don't even know who the investigator is who's going to come out. I, we actually have a, a direct phone number, and people can call me directly and talk to me about their sighting, their experience. They've seen episodes of me out there investigating. I, I'm the host of UFO Seekers, so you hear my voice when you're watching it. And I, I really think it, it brings that, that comfort level, and I really do trust you. I mean, I trust these witnesses, and I believe their stories. So much so, I'm going to go out there in 110-degree weather, 30-degree weather, night, day, rain, snow, it doesn't matter. That's what makes us different. If I am going to try to help you prove that story true or not, I don't know what's going to happen. All I know is that I'll bring people the truth. I mean, Dave, I would love to come and investigate where you saw your first alien because I, I haven't seen an alien yet, but I would love to. And so I, I love that mystery about life too. You know, I think there's just so much cold cold science, I call it, out there. You know, I love science and I believe in it, but I, sometimes I call it cold science because sometimes their explanations leave no more mystery in life. And so I think it's nice to have that mystery in life. And I want to bring those mysteries to people in good stories. And myself, I want to believe these mysteries are true. I want to be like Fox Mulder and driving down that dirt road, not knowing to turn left or right, going straight instead, and then running into a, a railroad car that's hauling something on a train car. So. No, I understand that, and I would love to take you there. I can't get back to that property, though, where where my incident happened, because, well, <laughs> one, one property I sold, and the other one, well, my former friend sold. So, you know what? It's something that I would love to get back there. I really would. But, you know, for people who are experienced, how do you go about figuring out whether or not they are telling you the truth? You know, I don't, that's the funny part, Dave, is I really try not to, I'm not really there to tell anyone the truth. And who has, who has like a copyright of the truth or who really knows what the truth is? Most of these things we're dealing with are unexplainable and they've been unexplainable for thousands of years. That's why we can see Indian petroglyphs of 
crafts up in the air, and they didn't even know what it is. And thousands of years later, we still don't know what it is. Honestly, I don't even know if the military knows what it is. Is it paranormal? Is it an angel? Is it something coming from another dimension? Is it an, is it, uh, an alien? Is it just a military NASA pilot? Like, who knows what's there? And so I really try not to stake a position as giving, um, having like a lock on the truth. And I think that's another comfort level people can find in, in talking to UFO seekers or talking to me. I'm not looking to judge you or be a prosecutor. I'm looking to go to this place and try to help prove you're not crazy. And whatever comes out in the videos comes out. You know, and a lot of the times, like uh, we just investigated that Pine Mountain Club alien encounter I was talking about earlier, and we have a good video of four objects we captured in the sky watching that night. And so that's more of what we're looking to do. We're going to show you where the UFO landed. We're going to show you, um, you know, I'm a professional drone pilot, so that's part of our content. I've flown over a million feet um, with, with our drones. And so I give people that bird's eye view. What would the UFO see or this craft see when it was coming to land in this location? What does it look like from up there in relation to the city? And then I'll talk to, like I said, like neighbors of neighbors. And then we'll actually sky watch ourselves. And so I think that's what can help bring people closer to the truth. But I think for anyone to say definitively, this is what's happening, I think that's a stretch and that's what hurts this industry. So in your estimation then, what needs to be the standard? Where do we need to be looking? Where do we need to clean up our act? Uh, I think it is really in doing research. I mean, I think if people just look to the news media and news media corporations, how a newspaper functions, and then look at those investigative journalists, what are they doing to try to bring people a true story? And I know a lot of times an investigative journalist is someone who has contacts of people inside to verify information um, so they can learn about these secret projects. Um, in fact, that's how I've learned about a lot of my things is through contacts I've made with people who, who have respect for what we do. And so they've, they've approached us. And so I think if these ufologist, if that's what they call themselves or someone wants to be called that, I think that's the seriousness they need to bring. They need to really be talking to these people, finding out where this sighting happened, what time did it happen, what could it be, looking and seeing if it's the ISS, you know, pulling out their satellite tracker app and seeing what's floating up there in the sky, um, and then reporting those details to people. And I think that's what will bring more credibility. But when you've got dollar bills hanging out there, it's, it's really hard, Dave. Do you think this is a profession, if we could call it that, that has been bought? You know, sometimes I feel that way. Um, you know, a lot of the times I call UFO seekers the, <laughs> like the biggest, most un, the biggest, most ignored kind of person in this industry because I've reached out to so many people and UFO seekers has reached out to people. But I, I truly believe that because we've staked the position that we have on not just giving in to demands of these people to call certain theories truth or to stretch it that far. Uh, neither will, will we ever uh, let like the UFO seekers name kind of get in this uh, 
corporate circle of friends who are promoting each other's books and, you know, writing men or doing seminars together constantly, constantly and charging people just to meet them. I mean, honestly, if, if you have a UFO sighting, you do not have to pay to talk to me. You don't have to buy a book from me. You don't have to buy a video from me. You literally don't have to buy nothing. You can just give me a call, shoot me a text message. I'm just a, a regular guy sitting at home, you know, trying to pay his bills and su search for UFOs uh, every day as much as I can. And I'm ready to just have that, that more personal relationship, almost like, uh, you know, the police used to be. You know, it's really hard in, in policing these days because cities are so big. Um, it kind of gets this cold factor, and, and you don't know this person. You know, the cop doesn't know someone he's pulling over. Yet if we went back in time 100 years, cities and towns were so small that the local sheriff knew everyone. So if you kind of got yourself in trouble, I mean, the local sheriff knew you. He knew your mom. He knew your kids, or you were the kid. And he'd just, you know, spank you, spank you on the bottom and, and send you back home and go, hey, go home. You know, don't do this again. And so I think that's, that's what is different about UFO seekers. We kind of bring that more small-town personal feel back to this industry to kind of help bring credibility to it. And is it working so far for you? Oh, it's amazing. Uh, we are growing so fast. It's, it's been an unbelievable trip. Our, our YouTube channel now in just under eight months has reached 2 million views, um, and we're over 20,000 subscribers on YouTube. And that's where we publish our content. Uh, so it's not necessarily just based around our website. Um, everything is based on, on our YouTube channel. So any of the submissions you get or we get, um, any of the episodes that we make or, or other videos that we post, everything goes there. And it has been extremely popular. I mean, even the fact that we're getting five to ten reports a week, people are now sending us videos. And I hear stories from people who listen to the most popular talk radio shows or know about a MUFON-type organization or a UFO reporting organization. Even they have friends who are in the paranormal stuff like that. They finally kind of diverge. Hey, back um, in fact, I'm, I met this guy last week. Um, I'm at Edwards Air Force Base. I, we have a favorite sky-watching place when we go hang out by Edwards Air Force Base. A gentleman approaches us and tells us a story from back in 1982 and says, hey, I've never told anybody this story, yet he lives next to a military base. He has plenty of people to talk to this about. And so he tells us this story about how he was pulling horse, uh, five, five donkeys, I believe they're called, and he was going hunting in the mountains in Colorado. And so it's midnight. He's walking across the beaver dam. So it's really narrow, probably 20 to 30 feet long. And he's walking across this beaver dam. And from up on a hill up to his left, he sees like an orb white light that looks just like a helicopter spotlight come over the mountain. Now, of course, I mean, these are just regular world people, Dave. The guy says to himself, you know, he, he told me he started cursing to himself and, and thinks it's the game warden coming to check him because it would just, you know, hunting season just opened. Oh, my gosh, the game warden has helicopters now. They're coming to watch us. And this light then proceeds to keep coming towards him and comes just 50 feet above his head and shines a light and a beam down on him on the beaver dam. And as soon as that happened, 
the gentleman realizes that the object made zero noise. It was not making any noise. So he says he about fell off the beaver dam when he all of a sudden had an epiphany that this wasn't normal. And then the, the light just quickly beamed away, boom, and just beamed away in an instant and left. And so I really, I think because of our, our credibility and really the personal take and search for the truth that me and Tracy bring, um, gets these people to kind of open up and, and share those stories. And especially since they know I'm not there to like judge them or prosecute it or anything. So. So when you are taking videos in or you're going out to search an area where there has been recent sightings and activity, what kind of information are you looking for? And I do want to remind you, we got about two and a half minutes before we got to go to our first break. Okay. Uh, the main thing we're looking for is if it's reoccurring. I mean, our mission is to document the UFO phenomenon. So if it's in a reoccurring um, incident, that is money. That is something we need to come out and try to catch that. So um, if people can give us specific times, specific locations to, to stand, and then where to look... And then also if they can kind of predict like a day of the week. Uh, so, for instance, right now we're getting heavy reports from Crescent City, California, right below the Oregon border. So if any of the space travelers out there live in that general area, supposedly in Crescent City, if you're looking out over the ocean three to four times a week between 7 p.m. and about 11 p.m., you'll see some weird lights that come up above the horizon and up above the ocean. So you're standing on shore. Crescent City um, is right on the ocean, the Pacific Ocean. So if you look out towards the ocean, uh, almost like to Hawaii, you're going to see these weird lights come up from beneath the horizon and hang out and then dip back down. And so um, if any of the space travelers want to hang out in Crescent City and try to catch something and send me some evidence, uh, we haven't been able to head out there yet. Well, i got a place in California for you to go, and I'm going to introduce you to Joe. He's one of our listeners. He's got a great set of hair, too. Fantastic hair. But Joe lives on the California-Nevada border. He's got everything going through his yard, you know, from... Oh my God! From his horses' uh, manes being braided, he thinks there's Sasquatch activity there. He's caught weird photos. Actually, during this show, he was actually sitting outside and he caught pictures of a black triangle over his house, and they wow. were absolutely wow. phenomenal. And considering he would be within a couple hours driving distance of your place. I would love to send you out there with his permission to go check it out because there is something strange happening there. And I definitely, definitely need you to go check that out. Yeah. And then anybody, please, um, a lot of these areas are private property. So developing relationships and having our credibility, that's what we need, Dave, is people like Joe to give us access to farms or ranches or private property where these things are happening. Mm -hmm. Joe just posted in the speaker chat room, I have all the weird stuff. we got to send you over there. Yeah, I'm telling you. Yeah, yes. that California-Nevada border is a great place to be. Really? Well, just make sure that, yeah. you know, he sometimes does charge a surtax of brushing his hair. So, you know, <laughs> you got, you got to be aware of that. 
You got to be working. As long as he has a close casino and we could sit down and play some slots too, because it's Nevada right there. So absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and John and Les are giving me a hard time at Spaced Out Radio, or pardon me, hashtag Spaced Out Radio, because I like good hair. I do. I like a good beard. I like a good hair. And if you got some, you know, wax on the mustache, I'm good with that as well. You know, they're giving me a hard time in regards to it. Hey, we're up against the break here. Hour number one in the books. Two hours left with Tim Doyle from UFOseekers.com, now part of the Spaced Out Radio family. It's going to happen soon on our website. I want you to check out UFOseekers.com as well. We'll be right back with more Spaced Out Radio right after this. Coming September 29th to October 1st, the first annual Spaced Out Radio Caribou Paracon. Hi, this is Dave Scott. The event will be held at the Spruce Hill Spawn Resort in 108 Mile Ranch, British Columbia. Come join us for an amazing weekend of speakers talking all things paranormal, UFOs, ghosts, aliens, Sasquatch, intuitiveness. Listen to great speakers like Miriam Delicato, Samantha Mowat, and the crypto guru Ronald Murphy. Get your VIP passes by going to spacedoutradio.com and clicking on the Paracon banner. Come to BC, where the paranormal is waiting for you. From coast to coast to coast, Blacklight Uncharted is taking on the paranormal across Canada. From ghostly hauntings to the UFOs flying above in conjunction with MUFON Canada, they're closely investigating what's going on in the northern skies and checking out the apparitions that walk among us. Check out our videos right here at spacedoutradio.com. We want to know your thoughts, we want to hear your experiences, and we want you to share your stories. The answers are out there, and we intend to find them. Would you like to become one of our space travelers? All you have to do is click on the space travelers icon at spacedoutradio.com. For only $5 a month, you can get access to some great prizes, as well as private monthly shows, newsletters, and a members-only section on our website. Become a space traveler today. It's paranormal news at its finest. Welcome to The Encounter. At spaceoutradio.com, The Encounter Online is SOR's trusted news source for everything weird and strange going on around the world. This is news editor Eric Markham. Our team of journalists are scouring the planet for those strange stories that rarely make the mainstream. No fear-mongering or fake news here. Head over to spaceoutradio.com and encounter The Encounter. Hey, this is Canadian Paranormal Investigator Mike Moore. The third Wednesday of every month, I'll be teaming up with Dave Scott to bring you Ghosts of the Great White North. Each month, we will bring on guests from across Canada to discuss their ghostly encounters. Canada is a paranormal hotbed with stories you've never heard, so we're going to bring them to you. So get comfy in your Chesterfield, grab a donut, and join us, eh? Have you had an experience you can't explain? Had a run-in with ghosts, maybe Bigfoot, or seen lights in the sky? Hi, I'm Mike Schmidt from the SOR Sight Lines. I'm here to investigate your sighting. Head to spacedoutradio.com and fill out a report on the sight lines. All your information is 100% confidential, and I will help you figure out what you've been seeing. File your report, and let's find out the answers together. Visit purpleplates.com today. For over 40 years, the Purple Energy Plates have been delivering amazing results for their many customers. Inspired by the great genius Nikola Tesla, the harmony, healing, and energetic effects of the plates have proven over and over to be beneficial and often miraculous to thousands of customers. 
With their money-back guarantee and the many benefits, how can you afford not to get one? Check their site for daily specials and choose from their many energy products. You won't be sorry. Visit them today at purpleplates.com for mind, body, and spirit. And expect a miracle. Are you interested in advertising on Spaced Out Radio? Head to our website at spacedoutradio.com and click on our advertising tab. There, you will find an assortment of ways you can get your product out there with us, from radio commercials to banners and social media. Have a product you like our hosts to endorse? We can do that too. Visit spacedoutradio.com for more details. Have you got your Cosmic Passport? If you need one, tune in to Cosmic Passport on Spaced Out Weekend. This is Elizabeth Anglin, ET experiencer, spirit medium, and host of Cosmic Passport. Each weekend, I'll be bringing you interviews and support from other paranormal experiencers and the best in intuitive spiritual guidance from across the globe. It's all happening starting at 9 p.m. Pacific Time, midnight Eastern, on spacedoutradio.com. From British Columbia to Northern California, Pacific North Weird has Cascadia covered. Check out our feature videos at spacedoutradio.com, where I... Vincent Zunza and my super sleuth partner Alexandra Sullivan track down the weird and strange stories from around the Pacific Northwest, from Bigfoot to Mel's Hole and everything in between. This is what makes life exciting. So why report the normal when we can report the Pacific North Weird? Right here at spacedoutradio.com. Oh, there's only one way to rock loud and proud. In high definition, Radio 702 Rocks, Las Vegas. Every Saturday and Sunday night, as Dave Scott wanders aimlessly in the wilderness, you can come hang out with me, James Tyson, and Spaced Out Weekend. Starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern, I'll take you along as we talk with some of the best experts in their fields. SpacedOutRadio.com is the place to find us. So sit down, relax, put your feet up. Enjoy the topics like the paranormal, supernatural, intuitiveness, and so much more. Hope to see you there. Don't have time to listen to Spaced Out Radio Live? Wherever you are, the car, the office, the shower, or even if you're traveling, we're right here for you. Each Spaced Out Radio show can be found on iTunes, TuneIn, and on our YouTube channel, Spaced Out Radio Show. It's the perfect way for you to catch up on our shows. For more information, just head over to our website, spacedoutradio.com, and tune in to us today. The views and opinions expressed by tonight's guest and topic of discussion do not necessarily represent the official policy or position of Spaced Out Radio. Spaced Out Weekend, Spaced Out Radio Limited, its hosts, syndicated carriers, or anyone associated with this broadcast. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. And hit us up on Twitter using the hashtag spacedoutradio. Now, back to Dave Scott and SOR. Welcome back to hour number two of Spaced Out Radio tonight. I am your host, Dave Scott. Great to have you with us. Tomorrow night on the program, we're getting into the field of conspiracy. Jamie Sexton from Rebel Planet News will be back with us starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern time at spacedoutradio.com. 
We want to welcome in everyone listening in on WQEE 99 Rock the Key down in Noonan, Georgia, home of the Walking Dead. We are also live in New Orleans on the United Public Radio Network on 107.7 FM and over 160 countries around the world. Great to have you with us as well. We're live at SpacedOutRadio.com, KTLK, The Fringe FM. Renegade Talk Radio out of Las Vegas, and if you're listening in on Revolution Radio, channels A and B tonight, we remind you that the Double R Machine is a donation station financed by you, the valued listener. Head on over to freedomslips.com and donate today. Bill Cardwell has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Boy, he hates me tonight. Obeli Skolichny. Obeli Skolichny is your password. Make sure you use it wisely, Space Travelers, as Bill sets the password each and every night right here on the Mighty SOR. Now, if you want to follow us on social media, you can head over to Twitter, at Spaced Out Radio. You can use the hashtag Spaced Out Radio and connect with me live during the show as well. You can give our Facebook page a like, Spaced Out Radio Show. Find me on Instagram, Dave Scott SOR. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Spaced Out Radio Show. Tune us in on TuneIn, download this show and others on iTunes. And we are also on RadioGuide.fm, TalkStream Live, Player.fm, and Stitcher. Our website is SpacedOutRadio.com. Now, while on our website, check out the SOR Space Travelers Club for 5 bucks a month. You can become a member. You can also pick up a t-shirt, stickers, a poster that's autographed by me. If it's worth anything, I'll give you 25 cents for it, but I'll send you a poster. And if you're looking for a weekend getaway this fall, September 29th to October 1st is the first annual Spaced Out Radio Caribou Paracon being held in 108 Mile Ranch, British Columbia at the beautiful Spruce Hills Spa and Resort. You can get your VIP tickets on sale now for 10% off until July 31st. We'd love to have you come get weird with us at the Caribou Paracon. So check that out today as well. Tonight we are talking UFOs, aliens, government conspiracy. Tim Doyle from UFOseekers.com is our guest. We have now officially affiliated with UFOseekers.com as we bring them into the Spaced Out Radio family. Tim will also be a monthly guest on this show the third Monday of the month starting July 17th. Tim, welcome back. Thank you, Dave. Hello, space travelers. All right, let's get to it, my friend. Let's get right to it. We got a couple of questions from our audience that I want to pass on your way, if you don't mind. This one comes from BTO, and he is asking, Tim, what's your most baffling, overwhelming experience and or evidence that you have documented? Yeah, great question. Um, well, the most overwhelming experience, um, probably one of the funniest things you'll notice about me and Tracy and from our experience, we're probably more scared of of human people than of running into aliens or a Bigfoot. So uh, one time we were in Death Valley, and that's part of our general area. So we go to Death Valley all the time. Well, this one specific incident, we're driving. Um, I had fallen asleep. So Tracy is driving. We're driving back from Area 51. We had spent probably 18 hours in the car that day. Uh, we drove out to Area 51 to meet somebody, and then we were headed back home. Well, when we're driving through Death Valley, it's about midnight, and Tracy's driving by herself, and 
you know, she's, she's kind of shy. So she's not the type to just pull up and have a conversation. Um, and we're driving through this, this one Valley. And if you're driving through that Valley on a weekday in the middle of the night, you aren't going to see another car on the road more than likely once it gets past dark. And so we're driving through this one Valley and there happens to, to come a car out of nowhere parked in the road, no lights on. And Tracy notices that the car is parked sideways in the middle of the road. So kind of blocking both lanes, the trunk is open and there's some random person that looks like they're kind of not normal pacing around the car. Like it does not look normal at all. And as soon as she gets up closer, she realizes there's something huge on the ground and it really looked like a body bag to her like that big. And so the person tried to like run at her car, uh, run at our car when, when she was driving by and, you know, she just kept going. So that by far was probably the most overwhelming experience and it was had uh, by Tracy. Um, if I was going to talk about like the evidence captured, it would probably be the, the orb. If people look on our YouTube channel, um, youtube.com slash C uh, for channel. So youtube.com slash C slash UFO seekers, uh, go look up the splitting orb. Now the splitting orb happened right here in Bakersfield, literally from our backyard. And that's one thing that I really try to press on people. You can see these objects sometime from anywhere you're at. Of course, for us, it's a little different because we're on the edge of that R2508 airspace complex I was talking about. So if they're launching a secret project from Vandenberg or from uh, the Mojave Spaceport or from China Lake or even Area 51, more than likely if something's going to space, you might be able to see it from a, from a location like Bakersfield when it gets up way up in the atmosphere. And so one night we go in the backyard and we were just going to do some sky watching from here because Bakersfield is a really strange place for UFO sightings. They happen all the time. So right before Venus comes out, and so this is a few months ago, and any of our astrologers out there know, uh, Venus isn't coming out anymore right now uh, for us here in Southern California at night, um, at the beginning of the night. So, and that's, uh, we're looking at the sky, and of course the stars always appear in the same order. And I think people should really t take that, take a note of that, you know, try to remember what order these things start to appear in the sky. And so right before Venus would have come out, we noticed a, a different object that looked just like Venus in the sky, but it had to be 30 degrees to the north of Venus's location. Well, I train a video camera on it, and I noticed that it's moving at like twice the speed a star would be moving. So, you know, when you zoom a video camera in or a telescope or anything like that in on an object the object is going to be moving fast and you got to keep moving the camera to kind of keep up with it. And so I noticed this object was moving too fast to be a star. Well, it took about 12 minutes of following it. You know, you got to have that persistence and keep following these weird things. And after about 12 minutes, all of a sudden this weird cone shaped, um, almost like vapor trail shot out the end of the orb. And now, uh, a second object, not as bright, then appeared behind the orb and went in a different trajectory. And then also this cone shape of vapor or propulsion or whatever you want to call it also maintained its triangle shape and separated from the orb. 
and the orb started going faster, like four times the speed it was going before. So it's almost like it split and gained some propulsion. Um, now after that, you can keep watching the orb and then it splits into three of the same looking shape and object. So if this was like a weather balloon or a balloon launching something, you wouldn't have that, that split of multiple objects going out into space. Or if you did, we're talking about some type of project or technology we don't know about. So we're talking about like some type of space-bound vehicle that's actually using a, a balloon to get up into the atmosphere, then propelling off and then separating into multiple objects and going into space. So maybe that's some type of secret project. Maybe it's an actual UFO we captured. But we really try to like maintain that position about evidence we catch. We're never going to tell you, hey, this is an alien craft or a military craft, unless it's something like the anti-gravity X we saw. We're looking over a military base. I mean, we saw it during daylight, which is, it never happens to see something weird. So that one, I would, I would go heavily towards, hey, this is some secret military project. I don't think this is some type of X-shaped craft that came from Mars, and only because of the evidence, hey, we're at the military base, yada, yada, yada. That is pretty incredible. Let's get to Eric's question here. And Eric is asking, what kind of evidence or what kind of equipment or science do you use besides just video and photo evidence? Um, well, that is a great question. And I think that question points more towards the community, the UFO community, and finding an organization who is approaching it from that scientific perspective. I know there's people out there like Antonio Paris um, who, who – looks at aerial phenomenon. He's the one who just discovered the explanation for the wow signal, um, which I encourage anyone to read. Uh, Antonio spent his time with um, equipment focused 24-7 on figuring out uh, what the wow signal is. <clears throat> Do you find that... I know you, you have a lot of oh, cameras. Uh, and, and let me... But let me continue with that. Sorry, okay. Dave. Okay, okay, go ahead. Um, and so, and so, basically, I think people should look to Mufon, uh, look to Antonio if they're looking for that that science perspective. We're looking to bring you video and photographic evidence. Although we do use thermal cameras, we do use full spectrum cameras, um, infrared, night vision, things like that. But the true reality is, is let's say I show you an infrared night vision video. Now, if there's an airplane flying in the sky and I put on a $20,000 pair of military infrared goggles and take a video of an airplane flying at my local airport, I promise you it looks like a UFO. The things that people, the things that people want to see is, is real light. What does real light look like? If I'm standing out there in my backyard and I look up at the sky, that's what people want to see, and that's what we try to relate to them. That same visual spectrum that they would see with their own eyes, they're going to see in our video. And also, too, I would express, when we're talking about science and UFOs, let's say we're talking about, let's have a debate about, hey, is this an extraterrestrial craft? Now, how do we know which science to apply to identify an extraterrestrial craft? 
I mean, if we're going to say it emits some type of radiation or is going to leave trace evidence of something, who's going to speculate that our level of technology, which would be so regressed, would even give us a clear explanation of truly what we're looking at? And so, you know, from my perspective, even if I went somewhere and, and had a Geiger counter, which I do take places, because if you go to Area 51 and you're going to camp and stuff, I definitely recommend you take a Geiger counter so you know to move if you're catching weird readings. But at the same time, if I was somewhere and caught a Geiger counter reading, uh, let's say like in our last episode we just posted, um, the lady claims that a UFO actually landed in a meadow. So if I go out there with my Geiger counter, catch a reading, how do I truly correlate her sighting to that reading? There is no way. And if I'm going to show my evidence to a skeptic, someone who doesn't believe in it, my own grandma, I'm not going, I don't want to present her with Geiger counter readings. I simply want to show her video of the UFO landing and then tell her to respond to me, hey, that's not real. So, so maybe that's more of the perspective that, that UF, UFO seekers takes. We don't discount any other approaches that anyone takes. In fact, we've even submitted um, our sightings to MUFON, which we know they're investigating a couple of them, and we like that part of it. We really foresee our future as being someone who can go to places, do our homework, do our research, capture firsthand evidence which has major credibility and then providing that evidence to someone like MUFON who then assigns the, the, the scientist and their great team to do that part of the analysis. I'm surprised that you submit videos to MUFON considering there is so much controversy around whether or not they've been infiltrated. Right. Well, it was for my own, our own, um, I guess you'd want to say a look inside. You know, if you want to figure out if something's good or you want to change something, the best way to do it is from the inside. You know, you can't throw stones at a tank. You got to get inside the tank if you want to take it over. And so we know 100% everything we catch, we've seen with our own eyes, documented with our own cameras. And if we submit these things to MUFON and they come back at us with explanations that aren't even relevant, that's how we're kind of testing the system to see what's going on. Um, and in fact, I think people may be surprised that a lot of the time when I'm talking to these scientific investigators, they're always questioning, well, you seem like you don't think it's aliens. Well, of course I don't just assume it's aliens. I couldn't tell you as an honest individual of your own family, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you about something or speculate as fact. I want to leave that open to debate and have science come in and try to figure out these things. But is there any real true science, in your opinion, being done? Science has been a very, very fickle term with me especially when it involves anything in this field because there just seems to be so much bs of people throwing around this word science when in reality they're not doing anything scientific that's why i appreciate you saying you know that you don't conduct scientific experimentation what you're doing isn't scientific and i can appreciate that because 
There needs to be more people like that saying they're just getting, they're researching, they're investigating. You know, but we seem in this field, whether it's UFOs, aliens, cryptids, or ghost hunting, we seem to want to think that we have to throw around the word science much like you would a penny, you know, onto the ground just to get it out of your pocket. Do you agree with that theory? Or do you think that there is relative science happening in this field? That is that is such a such a tough question, and and honestly, I I don't know. I don't know what science you can do to prove to somebody that something exists. The only way anyone is going to take an approach that proves to everyone that extraterrestrials exist or aliens exist is giving them a body or a craft or something like that. So when we're looking at um, like in I guess I, I, I call it an industry just because we're UFO seekers, but if you're looking at like the UFO quote-unquote industry, that's what everyone needs to prove this real. That's why I really encourage people to listen to, to Dr. Stanton Friedman. He tells a great story about an astro-scientist, someone who spends all their time looking at the stars, one night was driving home with his wife and made a report of a UFO sighting. We'll come to find out it was Venus. That was all the man saw was Venus. So you can have like the greatest science scientists, but the, the, the true change that people are going to make in this industry is simply by documenting this evidence in a way that presents it to people that can't be refuted because scientific evidence in and of itself is kind of like pieces of a pie you're putting together to prove a theory. And in the end, Science is always theory unless you can observe it happening and it becomes kind of fact, right? You have to observe it happening. Um, so it's the same thing. Hey, if we want to analyze the climate and take a, take a core from the ice sheet to tell us about the weather 100,000 years ago, it's based on our, our the, us theorizing about how that ice packed. How did those things get there? And then we create a theory about how, how it was back then. But no one was back there 100,000 years ago. So that's why people have trouble believing, for instance, science on climate. It's hard for them to believe things because no one's been there themselves. I get that. I just see way too many investigators, and I actually, I hate to say this, I I once shamed a couple of ghost hunters off the air because they kept on bringing up their scientific methods, which were non-scientific at all. It just pisses me off. I don't know why it's such a burr in my side, but it just absolutely angers me with people throwing around the word science in this field. Especially, what do you know, they haven't really conducted any scientific experiments. It's probably grade 8 or 9. It just, I don't know, makes me, grinds my gears, man. It grinds my gears. That's the best way I can put it. Well, I'm sure anyone who's like a fan, one of the greatest episodes of all time has to be the ghost adventures documentary. I think everybody's heard of ghost adventures, like the TV show, but I encourage people to look. There's actually a documentary ghost adventures did together before they made the TV show. It's what turned what they were doing into a TV show in this documentary. 
um, Zach Bagans, Nick, Aaron, those guys, they go out um, to a ghost town in Nevada. And I believe they went into, gosh, I want to say the Goldfield Hotel, I, I think it was. And in this initial documentary, which is hard to find, they go up the stairs and they turn into a room. And in the room, a two by four and a brick are thrown from left to right. So the video camera turns, it's in visual um, light, so it's not turned to infrared or anything that you can't really tell what it is. And in visual light, you can see the two by four and the brick getting thrown. And people analyzed the video. They couldn't find strings. They couldn't find any way that they created this as a hoax. And that's truly what I believe propelled them into what they were doing um, in their search to bring that evidence um, out front instead of necessarily just providing an EVP. Hey, I've captured EVPs. I believe it myself when I capture an EVP. But when you try to try to have a skeptic listen to something like that, it just becomes very difficult to change people's minds. People, um, they, they're really, I don't want to say like stuck in their ways, but we're all like that. Every single one of us, we, we believe in what we believe and we're looking for someone to just show us such compelling evidence that it changes our mind. And my, my advice to anyone out there hunting these things is that's what you need to provide is that content to, to really shift people and make them believe in what you're doing. Let's get to a question from BTO here in the Spreaker chat room. He is asking, Tim, do you feel there are actual extraterrestrial and interdimensional ships that you have witnessed or interviewed someone who has seen them? I do. This is a weird story. So, um, you know, anyone who, who watches us, they know that we have a car plastered. It says UFO seekers. So I'm sitting at a gas station. And I was just driving to the gas station to get gas, uh, to go do something. And this older gentleman, probably 50s, 60s, I guess, uh, comes up to me, approaches me, and proceeds to tell me a, an alien encounter about him and his wife. And he says that he's sitting in their bedroom, so they're, or they're laying in their bed, they're in their bedroom, and it's dark down the hallway and all the lights are off out in the house. So they just have their TV on, they're laying in bed, and both of them, both of them are awake and see coming down the hallway. So if they're laying in bed at the foot of their bed, you can see down a hallway and you can also see the hallway curve to the right a little bit because of like the angle. So both the, the husband and the wife see two laser beams come down the hallway in the middle of the of the hall. So it's not touching a wall, the roof, or the floor. It's coming direct. The two lasers are shooting down the hallway right through the middle. And the two lasers actually make a 90-degree turn where the hallway turns left towards their bedroom. And the two lasers proceed to enter the bedroom. And they both woke up three hours later. And this gentleman swears that he had encountered an alien. And from what I saw about the gentleman, I mean, I mean, I take like a sheriff's perspective on it. So I'm, I'm always curious looking um, at someone making a claim like this. And the guy had a clean car. I mean, real nice inside. The guy dresses okay. It doesn't look like he has any, you know, issues or like psychological issues. I mean, this looks like a straight and narrow guy who just proceeds to pull over and tell me this story that he believes 100% in. 
Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I do believe I have met people who've had these experiences. Uh, for me, the only, the only thing that I feel was really beyond like a military explanation. It's not to say that, that I don't believe things I see are extraterrestrial, but one incident stands out in my mind as beyond military capabilities was once when I was traveling through a place called Lake Elsinore in California. And it's actually located near Camp Pendleton. Um, and anyone out in California definitely knows about Camp Pendleton. They do war games and crazy stuff out there all the time. And so I'm driving with uh, my brother and my mother. And I was younger, like in my teens. And so we're driving in a van. And, it, and it's at night, like 10 o'clock at night. And out the windshield, probably at like 10,000 feet altitude, we see five lights all of a sudden appear. And the five lights are shaped like the number five on a die, just like the number five on a die. And so there's thousands of feet in between each light in the shape of a number five, like up in the sky. And all of a sudden, the outer four orbs or lights or whatever you want to call it start circling around the central light. And I mean, they're thousands of feet apart, but these things are circling in a perfect circle around the central light. All of a sudden, they would stop perfectly, just like the number five. And then individually, the corner light started going into the central light and then back out to its position. And they started randomly rotating and going into the center and then back out. And then at the end, they all went to the center, created one bigger light, and then shot off straight up into the sky like it went out into space and disappeared. And that was just, that's one of the reasons that I really started looking towards, you know, this type of phenomenon. Eric's question is, have you ever had your own personal alien encounter? Um, I have not, personally. But it does not mean that I don't believe in it. Um, you know, I also am interested in hunting for cryptids or Bigfoot or Mothman or any story or mystery that's dreamed up out there. And so I think you have to have, you know, that perspective just because I haven't seen these things myself doesn't mean I don't think they exist, but bringing up the fact that there's mysteries out there, those things are scary. So for instance, if we believe Loch Ness monster isn't a lake, people are inclined not to uh, swim in the lake at night. Hey, you know, the monster is going to come get you. And so uh, Tracy and I kind of take that, that scariness perspective. We want to go headfirst into these scary mysteries and the unknown, no matter what happens or what we encounter. So I have no doubt that sometime I may encounter something like an extraterrestrial, but at the same time, I'm always in the back of my head wondering if this is just a military pilot dressed up as an alien with some crazy military technology, you know, because what better way to hide the truth about your national security secrets than hiding them behind what could be a lie, you know? So, hey, is this alien question just a sham? And that's how the government hides their mysteries. Um, and I don't discount like any of these perspectives. I really think it's fun to kind of debate them and leave them open-ended. But I am really, truly hoping that I do meet an alien, Dave. Come on over to my house. You never know what you're going to do <laughs> here. 
We got that's why I'm looking forward to that Paracon. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And you're going to be a big part of the UFO watch that goes on up here because there is no light around here. It's straight darkness. It was so dark. I got to tell you, man, the moon was, was out la- wasn't even out last night. It was so dark here last night because there's not even a street lamp on my street. It was so dark that I, I could not even see my back fence last night. It was amazing. And the stars were, were so bright at the same time. You're going to have yeah, one. Yeah, you're lucky to have that because being yeah. down here in Southern California, I mean, there is hardly a place you can go where you can actually see some stars. I mean, in the like the L.A. Basin, there's just millions upon millions of people and all that light pollution. And I think because of light pollution, people have really stopped looking up at the sky and, and wondering and you know, having that, that mystery, Hey, what's out there, you know? So if we look back to the past to like native Americans or thousands of years ago where there wasn't any light out there, wow, I wish we could see that sky and what it looked like. Like no wonder, uh, they would believe there's gods up there or something was going on. It must've been just an amazing sight. Well, Shar does bring up a good point in the chat room that I got to stay on my deck right now because there is a cougar in the area and i don't oh. think, i don't think they've got him yet i don't think they've got him. crazy yet. yeah it's kind well, of hey nuts. you'd be interested yeah. to know we ran into a bear three nights ago very nice so we were up ufo hunting yeah and and people should know that i mean a regular day for us uh, i wake up jump on the computer check my ufo seekers email uh, go through any new reports and make phone calls uh, and reach out to people who are submitting things you know, I run through like the, the the most popular UFO news or anything that's happening out there uh, for today. And then we plan a sky watching trip. And so uh, three nights ago, we decided to go to the top of a 9,000 foot mountain in the Sierra Nevada mountains. So where we live is actually on the border of the Sierra Nevada mountains. We have four hours to Yosemite National Park. Uh, the giant sequoia trees are about two hours from us. And so we took a trip up to near the giant sequoia national forest and we come around to turn at about 9,000 feet and a brown bear is right in front of us and kind of, you know, with kind of his butt towards us. And then he turns his head and looks and then takes off running into the bushes. So, you know, if you're out hunting, uh, UFOs, like I said, sometimes there's other things you might want to be more scared of than just the, the fact that you might run into something. There's real things that are hiding oh, yes. out there you got to be prepared for. Well, one of the things that we got to worry about here now is the first time in 30 years last year, there was a grizzly bear seen within 10 miles of town. First time it's, grizzlies have been, have been seen that close, and there's already been a grizzly bear sighting close by here in one of the streams looking for fish to eat. But, I mean, there's a lot of things that can kill you up here, man. A lot of things that can <laughs> kill you, you know. And But that's what makes the adventure so fun. You know, we just offer them a, right. beer, a beer and a Tim Hortons donut, and usually they go away. But that's okay. I do have some questions out of the Revolution <laughs> Radio chat room from Maggie for you. And she is asking, part one, do you believe that some of us have already been contacted by extraterrestrials. 
That's a very interesting question. And for me personally, the extraterrestrial question is, is kind of confusing. People might be surprised to know that I studied Christian Bible theology for, for many years. I, I loved debating creationism versus evolutionism type of thing. Um, and so don't discount that these things might be our creators, or maybe when someone references in an ancient text that they saw an angel flying through the sky, um, or if we look to like the Chinese um, history, we can see that the first emperor left on a dragon that breathes fire. So looking at that story, why would they even invent the fact that there was a dragon? There's no such thing as a dragon. There's never been a dragon. So these ancient people must have been looking at some modern device like a rocket ship or a spacecraft. So yes, I believe that there are people who have been contacted by beings that aren't from here. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm going to jump to say that they're from Mars or they're from Sirius, the star system, or um, a different galaxy, because now we're going into something that no one really knows. Um, but personally, I've been someone who's experienced um, a ghost attack. People might be interested to know that. I've been attacked before by a ghost uh, while in bed once. And so I know um, just like many of those ghost hunters or people who've had similar experiences, that something is there behind the veil that no one can explain. And science discounts, and science will never take the time to help us figure out what those things are. Does that have some type of correlation to these other things we're seeing? Like if we look up and we see an amazing light in the sky, when it jumps into its hyperspeed or something, is it going back to a different dimension? And so that's similar to like seeing a ghost and maybe these things kind of exist in a, in a similar dimension or a similar area. Um, so yes, I do believe people have been contacted. I don't believe everyone who says it has been contacted uh, because I do believe there are people who just like any industry. And I really try to express that to people. You know, you can't just trust everyone. Um, that's kind of like, like how, how a child views everything. Hey, I can trust everyone. No, as we have more life experience, we start to learn like, whoa, someone says something, you know, you go and do some research, you look it up yourself, and then you find out that it's truthful. And that's how you figure out who's telling you the truth or not. So, you know, I would really express to people that if someone tells you a, a crazy story or, or claims to have been contacted by aliens, hey, if this is Joe Schmo, your neighbor, who's just like a surveyor for a private company, never talks about UFOs, could care less about UFOs, and even thinks people who believe in UFOs are crazy, but then tells me, Tim, I was contacted by an alien the other night, bro. I am, I am probably going to be inclined to really believe this guy because he's got no benefit from sharing this story with me. Let's go to the second part of Maggie's question. Do you believe then that the military is lying to fellow military servicemen and women and veterans about what they know about these subjects? Yes, and in fact, those are my most credible people. And like I've like I mentioned in the last hour, these military people are patriots. That's why they do what they do. Um as an American and a supporter of my country, 
I believe something similar. You know, I think there is a balance to having some national security, but at the same time, you know, where does that line get drawn? And so the more I kind of pursue what I'm doing, and of course I have family who think I'm crazy or friends who don't talk to me anymore because, you know, this subject is just something that, that makes them uncomfortable. Um, those military people are truly the ones who keep me going. And they're the ones who tell me I'm not crazy. Uh, so, for instance, I was out five weeks ago, um, and I ran into a gentleman from the Navy. Of course, he looks at my car, and I wear, I mean, I have, you know, clothes I wear, so I got my UFO Seekers hat on, and um, I stopped at a gas station. <laughs> Seems to be a lot of the times where a lot of these uh, things happen, you know, because people have busy lives. Um, and this gentleman stops me and goes, UFO Seekers, is that like a joke? And I'm like, no, man, I, I really do do this, so I promise you. And he's like, you know what? I served in the Coast Guard um, in the Navy, or I, I served on a Coast Guard cutter. I was in the Navy, and I worked the Bering Strait. Um, I was there for four years, and I saw things in the sky that no one could explain were not military projects. I mean, these people are military. They're not just going to look at something and go, oh, alien because they're around experimental projects. When he sees something in the sky that he can't explain, I mean, he's a clean-cut guy, perfectly shaven, nice haircut. I mean, looks like he just got off the boat from coming back from the Middle East from serving. I mean, the guy lives a good life, um, is a real smart gentleman, and he tells me, you're not crazy. Keep searching for these things, you're going to find an answer. So he continued on and then told me that he worked in IT. And anyone who knows a lot about uh, the United States government and the military complex, the Navy is the place with the highest intelligence. I mean, the ocean covers more of the earth than land, so it's just inherent that the Navy would have more power than anyone, and there's more stuff that happens over the ocean. And so he says that he served in Navy IT and saw things that he could not believe. And he tells me, and has become a personal friend of mine, um, actually cuts hair, so the guy cuts my hair now, um, and we share these stories, um, and they keep me going. So I, I am really thankful to any service members that come out. Um, but also, you know, I express to people, there are profiteers who make up stories that are incredible about military just purely for profit. So I get really weirded when someone's writing a book based on a supposed whistleblower from the military and it's some crazy story that's completely detailed, tells you where this thing is located. I mean, I, I semi-believe Bob Lazar's story, but I don't know like how far it stretches. And would Bob Lazar be someone who's a government plant? So he's just saying something ridiculous that sends people away from national security. Because um, I think, you know, like a good thing to tell people is that Area 51 is a place where the government does military tests against foreign targets. So let's say that America reproduces a Russian jet or captures a Russian jet. Now, Area 51 is a place where they're going to execute those tests. They're going to take the F-35, and they're going to test it against the latest Russian model jet fighter, and they don't want anybody to see it, specifically Russia. So that's one of the reasons that place is so highly secretive. Um, I did have a person reveal to me 
Um, we were out <laughs> UFO hunting at the at the foothills of the Sierra Nevada mountains about two months ago, um, and we got stopped by a gentleman who wanted to share a story. And he stops me and he says, hey, you ever heard of Area 51? I'm like, yeah, of course I have, man. It says UFO seekers on my car. Um, and he says, I used to have a family member who worked there. You know what he did? He worked for Magnavox out of Los Angeles. And so this guy was an, um, a genius executive. So he was kind of like a scientist who worked for Magnavox back in the 70s. And Area 51 was running a project where they wanted to communicate through the, the color light spectrum. Um, if you were going to send a signal through space, you wouldn't send it using radio signals or some other type of wavelength. It would take forever to get where it's going. So what's the best solution? It's to send something at the speed of light. So what better way than to embed communication in the light spectrum? So this gentleman told me a story about how his family member worked for Magnavox. He got contracted by Magnavox got contracted to work at Area 51 on this light spectrum communication project. And every day he took a Janet flight from Los Angeles to Area 51. And as a Magnavox employee, he worked on an Area 51 project. So that's kind of how um, a lot of these things are going on. You know, a lot of these complexes you look at are just being facilitated by the military. So, for instance, uh, we just went firsthand and we watched the missile intercept test. Uh, I'm sure everybody knows that North Korea has been crazy. Um, so the military um, did a test of the ICBM intercept missile. So me and Tracy packed up our gear um, and we headed to Vandenberg to watch the launch. Um, well, of course, where we went to watch it was on the base. They actually had an open area for news media. UFO Seekers is a legitimate company that's licensed, um, and we're a news media organization, so we were allowed to get past the military public affairs. And while we were on site, I overheard one of the military personnel talking about how Vandenberg is just facilitated by the military and how these projects are this missile launch was being executed by the co private corporation who's working on the project. So I think people really need to keep that in mind too when they're thinking about these military complexes. It's not all the time that these are just Army guys or Air Force guys in there. You know, the, the Air Force and the military, they do things to make money also. And part of that is utilizing those areas for national security purposes. Um, and then giving those areas to the specific people assigned to the project. You know, that's why Area 51 was made by Lockheed Martin when they were working with the CIA in the 50s. Let's get to Eric Cooper's question here. He is asking, have you ever seen any cloud-shaped UFO formations? That is interesting. Um, actually, if someone watches, let me pull up my episode list here. Um, so I can tell you guys which video it would be. Um, we actually have a cloaking device we caught. Um, it's episode six that we made, and it's called Cloaking Device or UFO. Now, what this was, uh, we were hunting in, this, in the Sierra Nevada mountains, and we were taking um, photographs of the area. And sometimes stuff just randomly shows out in, in photographs. So if you're out somewhere, just take pictures, shoot video. That's how you're going to randomly catch something. So later on that night, we're analyzing the photographic evidence that we, kept, that, that we took. And that's when Tracy noticed in two of the pictures 
there was this cloud-like object coming from the sky and down into a canyon. And so um, I reached out to a military source and I showed him my pictures. I'm like, hey, man, look at this. In two of these pictures, and I had the camera on rapid shot, so it's less than a second between each shutter click. So the pictures I caught showed this object moving at, uh, it, it had to have moved almost a quarter mile in the two pictures. And so I asked my source, like, hey, what is this cloud thing? It's not an airplane because, number one, we didn't hear any noise. Um, number two, we never saw anything. I mean, Tracy and I were both standing on a mountain ledge looking over hills, and in these pictures and us just standing out there in the open, something came by at a supersonic speed, man. Something came by at supersonic speed and was captured in two of our photographs. So after meeting with my source, he says, hey, hey, I got to show you this video. And so he pulls out like his government-issued iPad, and he proceeds to show me a video of a, of a stealth bomber test. And so in this video, you're seeing a um, plane to plane. So we're watching the video camera in one plane looking at a B-2 stealth bomber. And they're both flying at full speed, um, probably at like 50,000 foot altitude. And you hear over radio communications, they say engage the cloaking device. And in this video, you can see these kind of blankets that lay on the top of the stealth bomber's wings, something that's not normal. Um, my family comes from doing stuff like this. I actually have, like, family that worked in NASA. I have family who worked as a Treasury secret agent for, for a long time under five presidents. So I know what I'm looking at when I look at some of these things. I'm like, what are these blankets for? Well, the pilot says, okay, I'm engaging the cloaking device. And from these blankets that were laying on top of the wings, a ball of energy, light, a cloud, um, I don't even have like the words to describe it, but these blankets somehow worked with like electromagnetic energy or something and actually created like an energy cloud around the stealth bomber, a complete circular energy cloud and you couldn't even see the stealth plane anymore it was just this orange cloud floating through the sky and so that is one of the military's cloaking devices now it's not how you think because everyone watches hollywood movies and all of the fakery that's out there well we just want to see the thing disappear you know it doesn't necessarily always work like that some of these things are just for national security protection so if the government wants to take a craft or a plane or a drone and fly it over a civilian area or they want to fly it over the enemy and they don't want them to see what it is, they just engage this cloaking device and from your perspective on the ground, you see a glowing orange ball of light floating through the air. And I know a lot of the times people think, because um, if they watch through our videos, we've got multiple videos of an orange orb like falling from the atmosphere and then moving to the side and headed out to the Mojave Desert. And that's what I think we're capturing. We're capturing space-bound military projects or private slash military projects coming back from space orbit and they engage this cloaking device and the object craft just looks like a glowing ball of it almost just looks like there's an orange light that is so bright on a plane you can't see what it is. And it, then it just floats over the civilian or wartime area, and no one knows the better about what they've been seeing. 
we got about five minutes before we got to go to break here. How important is it for you to keep your sources handy? Because when I look at it, and I look, you know, at you saying that you had a military source show you a video on their iPad, that's something that you got to keep tight to your chest because you don't want to give that type of information up or who it is actually. So when you're Correct. looking at that, how how tight do you keep your sources? Yes, it is 100% tight. We would never communicate by phone. We would never communicate by email. I mean, for your listeners all around the world, I'm sure you, you've heard of the NSA and know how it works here in the United States and any American knows better than to send any electronic communication these days if you don't want someone to read it. But that's what your question is great because it goes back to what we talked about in the first hour about how people in the ufology industry or this community or the paranormal can do themselves a favor um, and anyone seeking the truth, they can do us all a favor by being more of like an investigative journalist. And if you were looking at a good American Washington, D.C. Um, press corps person, that's what you'd find with them. You know, when you're watching Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, all of those big names, and you see um, the contributors that come on in between the hosts, those are the people with those inside sources who are either getting leaked information, they're getting anonymous information, and then that's how the news media functions. And here in America, that's how we kind of keep everything free and open. There, um, that's kind of how the news here functions. It functions on leaks from within the government to keep a check on everything going on, which is why we have such strong freedom of the press protection. And it's definitely one of the main reasons that instead of just operating willy-nilly out of our house, we formed more of a, a news media organization so that we fall under those same freedoms. And that's what we're trying to do. Um, we're trying to bring people the truth, to learn more about technology, to start thinking more about space and looking up. And I believe that there's tons of military people, people who have seen things that believe they're so crazy that the public should know about them and they would, it would help society to, to integrate some of these technologies in. So I really focus on keeping those contacts close at hand. I mean, if the government came and took me right out of my house and right to jail, you'd, you'd see me no different than a, than a Washington, D.C. press reporter never giving up anything or, or telling anybody. And that, I think, is really important and why UFO Seekers is built on like that, that credibility and protecting those sources. And that shows the professionalism in what you're doing. Because, in my opinion, as someone who worked in mainstream, having those types of sources and having those types of contacts that are willing to give you information because they trust you, they're giving it to you because they're either A, concerned about something, or B, they don't like what is going on. That's the only two reasons why there is a leak in anything. Do you think there are more people who want to talk but just maybe don't have the the fortitude to do so? Right, right. And like I said in the last question, you should be scared to send an, an electronic communication of any type of leak. And a perfect example is that, that leaker, uh, her name Reality Winner. 
um, the recent leak that everyone saw here in the United States that revealed um, that the Russian government, parts of the Russian government, were doing types of hacking before the election. Now, the information is classified. In fact, if you asked your congressman, you couldn't talk about it because the information is classified. But they came after her, and she's in jail now because of the, elect- because of the uh, communications she sent at work. So when they searched the computers of the six or seven people who had printed out this information, the main, the only reason they found out it was her was because she had electronic communications with that news, that online news that released the information. And that's how they pointed it back to her. You know, they were looking at those seven people had all printed this document, but when they went to her specific computer, bam, there's emails of her talking into the background of this, to this news agency that released the leak information. And so that put the numbers together and boom, she's off to jail. And so if I have a military source who wants to tell UFO seekers something, but yet they live in Florida or New York, I mean, the only way they're going to send something is by physical mail, and that's probably the best way. If you want to send something to us that you feel is confidential information or a leak, write it out on a document and just send it to us by physical mail. i got to get you to hold on right there as we are going to step out for our second and final break of the night. Tim Doyle is our guest from UFOseekers.com. He is also the newest member of the Spaced Out Radio team as we look to advance what we do on our website along with what we do on this show on a weekly and monthly basis. Get used to him because Tim's going to be a big part of what we do going forward. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott. We'll be back with hour number three right after this. Looking for a great weekend getaway this fall? Hi there, this is Dave Scott. Come on up to the heart of British Columbia for the first annual Spaced Out Radio Caribou Paracon, being held at the Spruce Hills Spa and Resort in 108 Mile Ranch, British Columbia. Speakers from all over North America are coming to discuss Bigfoot, UFOs, ghosts, and intuitiveness for the three-day event, September 29th to October 1st. For more information, go to spacedoutradio.com and click on the Caribou Paracon banner and book your tickets today. Come to BC, where the paranormal is waiting for you. The SOR Sightlines is a place for you to find answers to your strange experiences. Hi there, this is Mike Schmidt. If you have had an encounter with ghosts, UFOs, Bigfoot, ETs, or anything else that doesn't make sense, head to spacedoutradio.com and file a Sightlines report. All information you give is 100% confidential, and I will personally help you find the answers you need. SOR Sightlines, your answers are a click away. Have you got your Cosmic Passport? If you need one, tune in to Cosmic Passport on Spaced Out Weekend. This is Elizabeth Anglin, ET experiencer, spirit medium, and host of Cosmic Passports. Each weekend I'll be bringing you interviews and support from other paranormal experiencers, and the best in intuitive spiritual guidance from across the globe. It's all happening starting at 9 p.m. Pacific Time, midnight Eastern, on spacedoutradio.com. Hi there. I'm Butch Witkowski, lead investigator with Cop. On the final Monday of every month, you can listen to me and host Dave Scott on Spaced Out Radio's Strange Days. We're going to get to the heart of the matter when it comes to what's happening out there. People are seeing and experiencing things from ET contact to Bigfoot, and I want to hear about it. Your experiences are what we investigators need to help solve these unknown mysteries, So tune in 
at spacedoutradio.com to the final Monday of every month from Butch Wachowski's Strange Days. This is your medium, Joanna, from Spaced Out Weekend, Two Mediums and a Large. I would love it if you would come and join us with host James Tyson every other Sunday on Spaced Out Weekend. Together, we will take your calls and your questions live. Our goal is to provide you with a positive outlook on deep questions that you may have. Questions regarding love, relationships, money, or whatever else is on your mind. Come and check us out at spacedoutradio.com. This is Eric Markham, news editor for Spaced Out Radio's The Encounter Online. We have put together a great team of writers and journalists from all over the world to bring you top-quality paranormal stories, from alien encounters to the latest conspiracies. You won't find any of that fake news here. True stories and top-notch reporting as we look to bring these experiences to the mainstream. The Encounter, online, only at spacedoutradio.com. Patrolling the Pacific Northwest, we are always on the lookout for the strange and unassuming stories that real people are experiencing. Hi, I'm Vincent Zunza from Pacific North Weird. Me and Alexandra Sullivan have teamed to bring to you those odd stories that never seem to make it into the mainstream. Stories so weird that we'll leave you scratching your head wondering, is this real? It's as real as it gets with Pacific North Weird. You can watch our videos right here at spacedoutradio.com. Become more intimate and interactive with Spaced Out Radio. Join our Space Travelers Club with your new membership. For $5 a month, we'll provide you with special access to the website, monthly prize draws from books to psychic readings, along with monthly newsletter, private interviews, and more. Sign up today to be part of Spaced Out Radio's experience. Looking for a place to advertise at a very reasonable cost? Look no further than Spaced Out Radio. SpacedOutRadio.com has an advertising tab that you can click to check out our daily, weekly, and monthly packages to play on the radio or our website, including social media. From commercial spots to banners, we have it all. Check out our competitive pricing today. Don't have time to listen to Spaced Out Radio Live? Wherever you are, the car, the office, the shower, or even if you're traveling, we're right here for you. Each Spaced Out Radio show can be found on iTunes, TuneIn, and on our YouTube channel, Spaced Out Radio Show. It's the perfect way for you to catch up on our shows. For more information, just head over to our website, spacedoutradio.com, and tune in to us today. You hear footsteps in the empty room above you. A rocking chair begins rocking by itself. Don't be afraid of the things that go bump in the night. Reach for Spirit Story Box, the iPhone app the Huffington Post UK called the only ghost hunting app you will ever need. Spirit Story Box, the spirits are telling their stories. Are you listening? Strange creatures lurking in the night, the sounds of wood knocking in the forest, odd happenings right out of a fictional world. These are the reports I love. Hi there, this is author Ronald Murphy, and I would love it if you'd join me and Spaced Out Radio host Dave Scott the second Wednesday of every month on our journey into the unknown land of cryptozoology at spacedoutradio.com. From Mothman to Frogman and everything in between, hey, they don't call me the crypto guru for nothing. Did you know that Spaced Out Radio runs seven days a week? 
Hi, it's James Tyson from Spaced Out Weekend. Every Saturday and Sunday night, starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern, you can join me and my guests for some great chatter about what's going on out in the universe or even in that dark part of the basement you really don't want to go back into. Well, let's find the answers to your experiences together. So come on up to Uncle Jimbo's cabin on the weekend. For more information, look us up at spacedoutradio.com. The views and opinions expressed by tonight's guest and topic of discussion do not necessarily represent the official policy or position of Spaced Out Radio. Spaced Out Weekend, Spaced Out Radio Limited, its hosts, syndicated carriers, or anyone associated with this broadcast. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and hashtag Spaced Out Radio. And on Facebook, Spaced Out Radio Show. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the final hour of Spaced Out Radio tonight. I am your host, Dave Scott. Great to have you with us. Tomorrow night on the program, we have Jamie Sexton coming back on from Rebel Planet News. We're going to talk all things conspiracy and see where he's going to go. We never know where Jamie's going to go. We're just going to run with it. It'll be a great show indeed, as it always is. 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern time at spacedoutradio.com. We want to welcome in everyone listening in on the United Public Radio Network on 107.7 FM in New Orleans and over 160 countries around the world. Great to have you with us. We're also live down in Noonan, Georgia on WQEE 99 Rock the Key. Yes, Ryan... And team, we love being your nighttime entertainment from midnight till 3 Eastern time. We're also live on KTLK, The Fringe FM, Renegade Talk Radio out of Las Vegas. And if you're listening in on Revolution Radio, remember the Double R Machine is a donation station financed by you, the valued listener. Head on over to freedomslips.com and donate today. Bill Cardwell has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Obeliskalichny. Obeliskalichny is your password. Make sure you use it wisely, space travelers, because I'm not saying it again tonight. Thanks, Bill. Appreciate it. Now, if you want to follow us on social media, you can follow us on Twitter, at Spaced Out Radio, or you can be like Jeff and John and James and Canadian Joe and Eric and use the hashtag Spaced Out Radio to connect with me live during the show as well. You can also... Follow me on Instagram, Dave Scott, S-O-R. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Spaced Out Radio Show. Tune us in on TuneIn. Download this show and others on iTunes. And our website is spacedoutradio.com, where we have a plethora of features for you, including joining the S-O-R Space Travelers Club for 5 bucks a month. You can check out Bumblefoot's latest music or the Encounter Online, our news section, and check out our Spaced Out Radio store. Pick up a t-shirt, poster, stickers and if you're looking for a weekend getaway september 29th to october 1st we'd love to have you up here in british columbia for the first annual spaced out radio caribou paracon happening the 29th to october 1st tickets are on sale now vip tickets are 10 percent off until july 31st we'd love for you to come join us for a weekend of weirdness here in central british columbia Tonight, for the final time, we introduce, from UFOseekers.com, Tim Doyle. Tim is going to be doing a monthly feature starting July 17th and the third Monday of every month after that. He's also 
now affiliated with Spaced Out Radio as of tonight. Tim, welcome back. Thank you, sir. I got to say, man, I'm still pretty stoked in regards to you joining our team. I really am. That's a big, big move yeah, and for that, us. And I think for the listeners, it should be um, a good way to give them more of a live perspective of what's going out on um, going on out there. I don't think there's really anybody dedicated like we are. Um, like I said, we kind of compare ourselves to like the Ghostbusters of the UFO community. So if there's anything going on that's the UFO phenomenon or some type of military test, uh, for instance, right now, Paul Allen, one of the co-founders of Windows, uh, has that strata launch craft out in the Mojave spaceport. Uh, that's like 40 minutes from us. So we've been doing some night stakeouts and watching them work on that new strata launch spacecraft that's going to send people into low space orbit. Um, so I think it should give your listeners more of direct contact with these things on a regular basis. I think it's great. We're going to continue on with some audience questions here because I, I, I'm falling behind here. They're, they're right pumped to chat with you and get your opinion. <laughs> Shar is asking, do you think the government is using holograms of aliens? Interesting. And I think, you know, we're kind of going down the right path um, with these things. I think anybody will remember, uh, if you watch X-Files, one of the episodes is called Jose Chung from Outer Space. And the whole basis of the episode was a military program where they would dress like aliens and they had, um, I guess you'd call it a military UFO. Um, like those triangle crafts that people see that make no noise. You know, we would kind of put that in a military UFO column because a lot of people believe it's a government craft. And the whole basis of that episode was, uh, Two pilots, two regular human pilots, air force pilots would run this craft. They'd abduct people bring them back to the, the military facility, and then the government would be allowed to do tests or whatever they do, biological weaponry or just psychological tests or um, anything like that. And then they had hypnotists on scene who would then kind of brainwash the individuals into thinking they've seen aliens. In fact, one of the, you know, the best lines from that episode is one of the Air Force pilots says, I don't even know what's going on anymore. I don't know if I'm even sitting next to you, Fox Mulder, because he's, he's seen so much fakery and ho hoaxery on top of the truth mixed in, and you start to kind of lose what's real. And anyone who's watched that episode, the main thing that happens is the Air Force pilots come down to abduct um, a young um, two teenagers who are out to have a good time out in the forest. And so the military craft comes down with the two pilots. They begin their abduction, right? So they shoot um, an advanced weapon that shuts the car down. They, they come down on top and have the little white beam of light. They're wearing alien suits. They look like gray aliens. And then they start their abduction. Um, and the kids just pass out because they think they're seeing aliens. So they just pass out. Now in the course of this, a real alien craft shows up and abducts the military pilots. And so that was a great way to kind of look at what's going on and 
how much the government and fakery out there can really pollute what we see as the truth. And you really start to lose that. So yes, I believe the government has incredible advanced ways to kind of trick us into believing certain things. Now, it doesn't discount that aliens exist. In fact, it's highly probable aliens do exist. And there's people like yourself, Dave, who have actually had encounters with these things. And so that's where, where we really have to focus is on eyewitness testimony, just like yourself, of seeing those physical aliens. And it doesn't mean at the same time that the government is using that, that crazy idea that aliens could exist and then tricking people to hide um, national security stuff. Follow-up from Char here. She wants to know more about the ghost attack you mentioned in Hour 2. <laughs> that was crazy. And so, you know, what's really interesting about myself um, is I've had a lot of jobs in the past, interesting jobs that I've mastered, lots of them. And at one of them, I was actually kind of a, a regional bowler. I almost made it onto a regional PBA tour. I was actually like a 220 average bowler. And so I worked graveyard at a bowling alley where I practiced all the time. I had a sponsor and I worked graveyard shift. So I actually like oiled lanes um, at the end of the night. And I learned all about, you know, the bowling industry and how things work. And one night I came home about 2.30 in the morning. And at that time, you know, I was young and I was living in a, in a mobile home. And a mobile home has like weak floors. So when you're in a room, no matter what room, I mean, you can hear somebody walking in this house I was in. I could hear somebody walking on the other side of the house because the floor was so creaky. So I come home. It's late. Um, you know, I turn all the lights off. I go right to bed, lay down in my bed. I had my bedroom door open. And all of a sudden, I hear footsteps coming from the living room down the hallway towards my bedroom door. Um, and these footsteps keep coming clear as day, clear as day someone is walking in my house. So the footsteps continue. I can hear each one of them, and they turn into my bedroom, and whatever it is continues walking towards my side of the bed. I was laying towards the right side of the bed. And the door to my room is at the foot of my bed on the right side of the bedroom. So the entity comes down the hallway, turns into the bedroom, comes to my side of the bed. And as it's walking closer to me, it accidentally bumped like with a shoulder into the closet door. So I had like a sliding closet door that was really weak. I mean, if you touched it, it would shake. So whatever this object was or entity brushed up against the closet door and the closet door shakes as it's still walking towards my bed. So at this point I'm, I'm starting to freak out and the footsteps continue literally up to me all the way to where I'm sleeping and out of nowhere, two hands, I don't see anything. I felt it all two hands grab my neck and literally physically push me into the bed and into my pillow to where it like started choking me to where I, my hands, I started swiping at my neck to like get this thing off. And all of a sudden, like it released and I just jumped under the covers and I pretty much like hid under the covers for the rest of the night. And luckily uh, nothing else happened. Let's get to another story or question here from BTO. 
Tim, what is your view on any potential secret space program out of all the evidence that you have gained? Uh, well, that is part of one of our missions is to educate people more about space and understanding that lots of these things they see in the sky are part of the next phase of um, militarization. And it's all happening in space right now. And you can see it in the, the UFO community. A lot of the new topics or viral topics are about the secret space programs. Um, a good example is the Iridium satellite array, which are a lot of times proclaimed to be used for light communications or monitoring what's going on in the world with sensors, things like this. But I've seen a video um, from a space command. So here in the United States, we have what's called like the Joint Air and Space Command. And they're different uh, installations that, that monitor and communicate about what's going on up in space. Well, one of these videos I witnessed actually showed um, missile defense coming out of an Iridium satellite. So it shows the Iridium satellite in orbit, then it shows um, like an ICBM, like an intercontinental ballistic missile, which has to go up into space and then it travels thousands of miles and then drops back into the atmosphere over the other continent. And it shows this Iridium satellite actually launch, launching an intercept missile to hit this ICBM. Um, and also, I've done a lot of research about like listening to satellites. So for your listeners, if they want to go out and research like old school radio techniques, um, like ham, ham radio operators, you know, you can actually develop or um, take with you like an antenna and a, a radio. And if you know when a satellite is coming over your location, you can actually like point and listen to radio communications that are coming from these things. And so in my research of learning more about that technique and how to do that, I started, um, I came across a story about a Russian satellite. And it was a story telling about how Russia launched what they claimed to just be a, another communication satellite. But other private entities and other governments started knowing that the satellite was changing positions and was chasing and following other satellites. So the Russians were able to put this up in like a, a mid-orbit, you know, because uh, satellites are like at different levels of orbits you have low you know low flying satellites which are closer to earth and you have high flying ones which are way far away and you can probably never see if they fly over your location well this satellite was able to move down and up into these different orbits and chase things around now imagine equipping that satellite with some type of gun or laser beam and now you can use that russian satellite to go follow other ones and start destroying them and people should also note that places like area 51 actually have deactivating technology so remember like in our in our age it's not about like going to a military installation anymore and taking a picture necessarily. I mean, 99% of everything is hidden underground, and that's because of satellite imagery. So the military doesn't typically do things during the day. Um, they do things at night, and that's, why that's how they're able to hide from, you know, here in America, that's how we hide from a Russian satellite or a Chinese satellite going overhead. But what happens if they, that enemy 
send something over our military base. What do you do? Well, places like Area 51 actually have technology where they can shoot at that satellite and deactivate it as it passes over the region to assure it's not taking intelligence. And so, yes, there are crazy space programs going out, um, going on up there. I think if people um, wonder about America's NASA program and how we stop sending astronauts to space, that's, it's, it's not because we stopped going to space. America has a space drone now, like a space shuttle drone. We don't need astronauts anymore. I mean, if anybody looks up um, that one project that just came back about a month ago, we had um, like a space drone out there for over three months. So there is way more going on out there than any of us know, and that is definitely like the modern platform for warfare. And anything really going on on the ground is kind of just like old school, you know? It's kind of like the low-technology countries still kind of fighting with swords when, honestly, we could launch a nuclear weapon from a satellite and end the battle in one day, you know? But you still got to kind of fight on the other people's level. And also, you don't want to reveal a lot of these technologies. Um, so, for instance, I have a, a good source who actually worked on um, a laser project from a 737 or a 747. So America actually has a technology where we have like a jumbo jet with a laser beam and it can just fly over something, shoot a laser beam and blow it up. Um, in fact, if people watch our episode on the Jedi transition and secret military ops, I actually show you one of these areas where they have tanks lined up and I confirm from two different sources, this is where the test for this specific project takes place. And in fact, in our video too, um, there's like a, a Middle Eastern city mock-up building and we show you like Navy SEALs coming out um, and kind of going through. Of course, I never tell anybody um, the specific areas or these locations. And there is some things that I necessarily don't reveal, but certain projects like this are, are moving their way more out into the public eye. So I truly believe that America has the technology to shoot things down with lasers. When we see like the intercept missile test from uh, last week or the week before, that's kind of just for the public and it's for public media and kind of to flex your muscles to the mainstream people who don't really pay attention to these things. But I promise you they have incredibly advanced technologies, especially if you research laser intercept technologies and you can find um, American projects where private companies are actually working to develop laser intercept technology rather than using a missile. And we're already using it you just don't see it that much. Um, for instance, the stealth bomber had been around for decades, and then they finally wait to release it because I promise you they have something way more secret, like a stealth drone or something like that. Let's get to Eric Cooper's question. He is asking, do your military sources ever express concern over divulging their information to what you would be considered just a random guy? Um... No, I mean, would you? I mean, would you say the same thing to a press person who got a, a something leaked and now it's on the news media? You know, there's there's like a like a give and take to these things. And remember, like some of these projects are kind of coming down the chain. And if I'm, I mean, this is just speculation. 
let's say a Russian agent watched my YouTube video, I hardly doubt that Russian special forces or their intelligence bureaus don't know about what we're doing or are doing similar things that are so advanced they just laugh at my YouTube videos. So, you know, I don't really find a problem with that. Um, you know, and maybe some of these guys are just showboaters and they want to, hey, this is cool, this is what I want to do. Hey, that's their prerogative. I'm not out to, like, judge these guys. Or I think some of these people have seen things that would fall in an extraterrestrial category, unexplainable category, and it's kind of through these other little channels and these other little projects that we can release information to the public so that they start questioning, wow, there is things I don't know about and I don't understand. And maybe that helps push them towards the quest of seeking more information. So that's kind of my perspective. You know, these things are just kind of little uh, water droplets to fill a bucket to change someone's mind. Let's head over to Area 51 for a few minutes. Because this is a place where you have been, your videos at UFO Seekers on YouTube, your channel there, I highly suggest everybody subscribe to that, is pretty intriguing and interesting with camo dudes watching you guys everywhere. Take us through your trip to Area 51. Yeah, so that's definitely one of our most popular videos is a, a recent trip we took to Area 51. Um, so Area 51 is only like six hours from our house. We pack up our gear, um, and we headed to the black mailbox. And so when we showed up, there's actually like a new regular black mailbox that people can see in the video. I know it used to be like that big white thing, but now um, I think the local community kind of threw some funds together and put like a nice black mailbox out there. Um, but if you make your way from the black mailbox, you head into the desert, um, and that's where you can find, like, one of the main back entrances. Um, in fact, that's where you could, like, find where the employee bus comes in. That's where it comes in, is near the black mailbox. Um, and so we decided we were going to camp there. Um, for anybody outside of the United States, um, the United States has what's called BLM land, the Bureau of Land Management. And what it does is it protects and the government kind of buys and, and takes certain areas to keep it for the public. So in California, Nevada, Arizona, there's tons of BLM land that's open to the public, and anyone can go there and camp. Certain areas are for hiking, others are for shooting. Um, and so around the border of Area 51, you'll find a lot of BLM land. So there is nothing illegal about staying there. Um, you can traverse the area, camp there. Um, and so that's what we did. We staked out a camp spot probably a 1,000 yards from this, this main entrance to Area 51. And if you're looking at a topo map, that corner in that area is the closest you're going to get to Groom Lake. In fact, if you just, you know, we're, where we camped is just behind a foothill. And if you could actually go over the foothill, it drops down to the dry lake where you'd find Groom Lake. We're literally that close. Um, and so we arrived at night. Um, we, we took a drive up to the entrance, and of course, the, that's where you'll see the camo dudes sit up on that hill, and they kind of overlook the entrance. For anyone who's seen that tourist family who kind of tried to drive up to the Ford Raptor, then they end up getting pulled out of their car with machine guns. You know, don't drive up there. You don't approach these people. And that's what we do. You know, we're not out there to cause trouble or do anything. 
we're just going to public lands to observe what's going on, and we want to see if aliens exist or see weird things going on. And people always talk about Area 51, and that's what we wanted to find out. Are the camo dudes real? Um, do they play with you or give you trouble? And are there projects that really go on out there still, or is it just an empty space, you know? And so we get, we get um, into our camping spot about 10, 11 o'clock at night, and immediately the camo dudes start to bully us. So almost every hour on the hour, the camo dudes would drive like a Dodge Ram or a Ford Raptor, and they'd come from the entrance or out of the base, and they have full LED light bars and super bright lights, and they'd drive down the road a thousand yards to our camp spot, and the camo dude and us are literally the only people in the entire valley. I mean, if you went and looked around, there is no one. It's the middle of nowhere. I mean, that's why it's the military base, the middle of nowhere. And so it's, it's really scary. You know, you don't, it's not like when you're getting approached by these military security, it's like, Hey, how's it going? And you wave. These people don't look at you. They don't wave to you. They will not talk to you. And that's really how you know they're military. I mean, military, their number one mission is to never make contact with people unless there's a problem. And so every hour on the hour, these military guys would drive down to near our camp spot and shine their lights at us, flick their lights at us. Um, they drive fast. They try to, like, create dust and make it uncomfortable for you to be there. I mean, even though it's BLM, it's completely public land and legal to be there, they don't want you to be there. And so that night we actually observed, and in our video you can see um, like a ball of light that came overhead. Um, and that was about it for like the night sighting. So we were at the camp spot, and we had um, some of my viewers have claimed that it's uh, – like a stealth helicopter with silent technology. And I know that exists. And I even know that like drone helicopters exist. And so people claim that we actually got flown over by like a stealth helicopter that doesn't make noise. And so the next day, um, you know, we stayed there uh, one night in this last video. And as soon as we woke up about 7.30 in the morning, we woke up to hearing crazy jet noise from Groom Lake. And this is what we're interested in. I mean, that's what people are interested in. What's really going on if you went there yourselves? And so we captured audio of the noise we were hearing. Um, you can hear it in the video. And, of course, it sounds like some kind of wicked jet test or some kind of test of something. Um, and then a couple hours later, we then witnessed a dogfight of multiple crafts up above um, Groom Lake. And it was the first time we had physically seen on the ground some type of something flying over that area. Now, I have met Air Force pilot after Air Force pilot after Air Force pilot who have never flown there or over the area. They're always testing at what's called Area 52, which is the Tonopah um, test range area. So if you're looking at a map of the whole complex, um, which is called... Um, like the Nevada Test and Training Range, the NTTR is what it's called. So Area 51 is part of the NTTR or the Nevada Test and Training Range. If you look on the western side of it, you'll see the Tonopah um, Airport. Now, in that general area of the facility is where you're, they're going to play the, you know, the, the green light games and the red light games or whatever they call them. That's where the war games are going on. The, the regular testing is going on. 
um, from customers like military customers who want to test some type of new project. That's where they're going. But at Area 51 is where the true experimental stuff is happening through like Lockheed Martin and Boeing, and then also where they're doing tests against foreign aircrafts. And now in this dogfight is where we witnessed this firsthand of the government using these foreign fighters in a dogfight over Area 51. So bang, going there, I can tell you one thing. Things are happening there, I know for a fact. And I even like caught them on video so people can see those things. And that's kind of what we're trying to answer is, is there something going on? And so now after that, um, we decided to go take like another drive to the entrance. But before we could do that, the military camo guys who were still coming every hour. So even all through the night, now we're into the day and the military guys are still coming hour after hour to bug us or look at what we're doing. Well, finally, the, this Ford Raptor comes, and these guys inside the car, they look pissed. I mean, they looked upset. And so they park about, you know, 100, 200 yards away from us and literally just stop and stare at us. And so I pulled out, like, our, our long lens, and I, I could zoom right in, and I see there's two guys in the car, and they're looking at us with some type of, like, infrared or thermal binoculars, I could tell. And so now they see that I'm looking and bro, I start waving. So I'm like looking at the Raptor guy, you know, it's like 10, 11 o'clock. The employee buses come by. We saw a Janet flight come in. We saw a dog fight happening. We captured the jet noise. We had the flyover from the lights. So I don't really think they wanted us to stay there anymore. So finally, like, I think these two had enough. And so they gave me like this creepy feeling. I mean, truly creepy. I thought they were going to come and start interrogating us or kick us off the land or something. Well, the Ford Raptor continues on. And at all of our locations, we use scanners. And in fact, through my networked connections, I've made people, I've, I've made a network of people who can even break military encrypted scanners. So I'm always trying to listen and protect myself of what's going on or be aware of what's going on. And that's when me and Tracy hear over the scanner uh, a sheriff coming up the road, so coming from a separate city. And Area 51 literally called the sheriff on us. So we hear the sheriff coming down the road, and we pack up our gear real quick, and we start to head towards the entrance. Tracy's like, hey, let's just try to get to the entrance real quick. Or if someone's coming, let's try to catch a video of them going into the base. So we jump in the car and it's dirt roads out there. You know, I have uh, my, my little off-road vehicle and we're, we're hauling down the road. We're going fast down the road. Well, this car was doing like 90 and it was a sheriff. I didn't even know it was a sheriff or a police officer, you know. And so he finally catches us probably 500 yards from the entrance to 51 and pulls us over on a dirt road. And so he pulls up next to us and he says, uh, hey, uh, were you guys camping out here? And Tracy's like, yeah, is that a problem? And he's like, well, we got a call that there was people camping. Uh, do you mind stepping out of the car? And I mean, this, this is America, Dave. Like you can't, you cannot just like pull somebody over. You have to literally have like an infraction to even run someone's license plate. Like a police officer here cannot just run a license plate of a car in front of them. You have to actually like commit an, an infraction for any police officer to do anything. So just the fact that we were camping on BLM land isn't an infraction and there's nothing wrong about what we were doing. 
And so we, we, we were very nice to him and we let him pull pull us out of the car and we had a conversation with him. And as soon as he pulls us out of the car, man, the camel guys in the Ford Raptor come out of the entrance and drive past us and wave. They wave, Dave. It was the first time ever. That is hilarious. These people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the first time ever these people had interacted, looked, and physically like waved to us. Because we knew in our heart they thought we were going to get arrested. So the camel guy drives down. And, you know, police officers are like private citizens. I mean, I know that they're public officials and all of us, um, like safety officials, public safety officials, and we all have massive respect. I mean, we all love firefighters, police officers. They're the ones who take care of us. These guys have the same perception of the military as us. I, I promise your listeners, the military does not treat them any different than they treat us. I've had many conversations with many sheriffs who've gone on calls for things to secret facilities that would lead them underground, and they even have to sign non-disclosure forms before they even enter. And I know people personally who haven't signed it and weren't allowed to, to progress on the call, and they would call a different guy to sign the non-disclosure form. And so the camel guys drive by, they wave to us, the sheriff guy kind of starts laughing. He's like, oh my God, they just waved to us. And so the camel guys go, and we have a conversation with this sheriff. He was a great, uh, nice gentleman. He wasn't even – the funny part was, Dave, he wasn't even from that, um, that beat. He was actually um, – he's actually based, like, more north. So he had never been on the Area 51 beat. So it was the first call he'd ever have, and what do you know? He's coming out to check out the UFO seekers. So that's kind of funny. So he was, like, really nice to us. Um, didn't, didn't do anything to us, but he was very hardcore about a drone. Um, and in Lincoln County where area 51 can be found, the County now passed a law where it's a criminal infraction to fly in a no fly zone with a drone. So what the military has done is they've made the border and the areas around 51 a no drone zone. So if you even fly a drone in that area, it is an infraction. And if you live in Nevada or you're in Nevada and you commit any infraction, every infraction is jailable. And that's what the sheriff was looking for. He questioned me hardcore about drones. Hey, did you fly a drone? Oh, did you fly a drone? And it just so happened this one time we really didn't mess with the drone. And so I think that's the only reason we really got away. And so the camo guys turn around and come back. And by this time, they can see, like, the sheriff guy's not mad and, like, we're just talking. Tracy pulls out her camera and starts taking pictures, <laughs> right? I'm like, whoa, Tracy. But the, but the guy was really nice. He's like, dude, I don't care. Take some pictures. Like, I really don't care. I'm just here to see what you guys were doing. And, I mean, it's a national security site. If we're, like, Russian and speaking Russian, of course, I think they might have a more problem. But we're just Americans and we're just taking pictures. Um, and so when the camel guys came back, Tracy had her camera, her still photography camera, and took pictures of the camel guys when they drove back by. And I'm telling you, they didn't wave and they didn't look happy. And especially when the sheriff proceeded to let us go and even gave us permission to go up to the entrance to take some more pictures before we left because we needed some more daytime shots of that specific entrance for our video. And I'm telling you, they were really nice. And in fact, 
the sheriff even reached out to me afterwards and was nice enough to send me like the new drone laws and me being like a drone person. And I do shoot um, like drone video for people. So it's nice to stay up on like those legalities and that private sheriff really took that perspective. So, well, it sounds like you got off pretty easily there. You know, I mean, it could have been, it could have been a lot uglier. It could have been a lot yeah, uglier, yeah. you know, because... But isn't that what you're looking for, Dave? I mean, aren't you looking for someone who takes it so serious that, I mean, honestly, man, I really, I am looking to help people find answers to whatever is going on. And if that's what it takes, it's no different than an investigative journalist who's going to get pressured by the government for leaking something that everyone should have known. You know, of course, someone like me, maybe, you know, I'm not going to give you an opinion on what I think of Edward Snowden, but the Snowden leaks showing that the NSA was collecting all that metadata and basically still was up until this year was outrageous, outrageous. No one even knew because in America, you can't do something like that. You can't go after private citizens who haven't done anything and you have to have a warrant to do anything against them. So, you know, I do have respect for people who are willing to, to kind of push that barrier, you know, but you're never going to see me like leaking something that would hurt the military or even doing something to hurt any of these people, you know, and that's what UFO Seekers is about and what I'd like to see in the future. I would love for UFO Seekers to have great relationships with Air Force bases. I've sent them evidence of things I've caught, and I've even sent them the evidence to tell them, man, you probably should fly somewhere else because I caught a picture of your thing. And so sometimes I wonder if like what we're doing is a great way um, for even like them to have new perspectives on how to hide these technologies better. So, you know, better me catching something, putting it on a YouTube because, hey, I caught it. And then actually sending it to them at the same time and saying, hey, you guys aren't very smart for doing this right here. And here's the reason why. So. At any time, did you feel for your safety? during that whole process of being bugged overnight? Did you think that maybe, you know, I mean, we hear the nightmare stories of people being kidnapped, maybe, you know, some kind of MK Ultra or some sort of brainwashing where people who get too close get taken? I mean, let's face it, your car is a billboard for UFO seekers. <laughs> You know, it's not that they, it's not that they didn't know who you were with, if you know what I'm saying. So, yeah, I, yeah. So there could have been that possibility. Did that ever cross your mind? Uh, it did, and in fact, it's extremely scary when you're sitting out there and these military people are doing that. You know that I guarantee you, they're watching you with drone technology, so they're looking overhead with thermals. So you better find a way to hide. They're using thermal binoculars. Um, so people have told me I should light road flares <laughs> while I'm out there to really um, mess with them. But that's not what we're doing. But I'm telling you, you are looking over your shoulder. I mean, in, that, in our lightest Area 51 video, I mean, there's some, like, random cows. So we're out near the entrance of Area 51, and then all of a sudden there's, like, a group of cows by us mooing. And, you know, there's people on there who speculate, hey, are there robot or fake cows. Maybe they have like cameras attached to these animals or maybe they're fake. And I have no doubts that there's like snipers hiding out there or people in, in ghillie suits 
who are straight up crawling to our position to look at what's going on, you know? So it is, I mean, everyone looks at, at like our video or other videos and thinks, Hey, you know, I could go and, you know, we'll do that. But I'm telling you, when you get there and those military guys show up and they're staring you down, they have no identifying marks. They will not leave you alone. They will chase you through the desert any way you go. In fact, um, if anybody watches our camo dudes episode, that's what you're going to see. We go around the desert and kind of try to lose these guys and everywhere we go, there's a new one showing up. <clears throat> Do you believe then with what you have learned from area 51, that there are pieces of alien technology there? Well, if I was going to say there was alien technology, I believe that it happened in a crash. So, you know, in my own mind and my own personal theory and my hopes on the subject is that I like want to believe that there was a UFO that crashed and that's how technology really changed in the forties. Cause it is really weird how we go from horse and buggies one year, one decade. And then the next decade they have, you know, fiber optics, radio wave communications, aluminum foil, things that were just so outlandish like the internet. How would a human being even contemplate sending stuff through electronic signals? And so I really do believe that, that people are either influenced by it, the government has it, or that's how these individual geniuses achieved the knowledge of doing these things, like someone like um, Tesla. Did Tesla have some type of like extraterrestrial influence to have the ideas he had? I mean, is that the type of guy who's like an alien hybrid? So like he can use his brain at a more advanced rate. Um, but uh, yes, I do believe there is something that crashed or they have something which has given them the ability to achieve or reverse engineer and have the crazy technologies that a lot of people see as UFO sightings, you know, so it kind of falls into a similar category. I mean, if the military has reversed engineered and created a UFO and you see it just because it's a military UFO, you saw extraterrestrial technology, you know? No, I understand that. But in your time in filming around area 51, did you ever capture anything that was anomalous that did not look like it was man-made? Um, we did capture that one uh, orb flying over, that light flying over at night. Um, you know, while I was there, I did hear a crazy story from a person, but myself personally, I have not at Area 51. And people need to understand that Area 51 is so publicized. And the way they interact with you Sometimes it makes you wonder if it's just a game, you know, because I mean, Dave, it's the military, bro. If they wanted to like stop UFO seekers, he could pull out his M16 or whatever it is and stop me from doing whatever I'm doing with no questions asked. So sometimes it really makes me wonder if, if they enjoy this tourism, you know, anyone who's been to area 51, if you're there on a weekend, you're going to see tons of tourists driving to the gates. I mean, it's like, that's, I mean, I get people who contact me from overseas 
who come to America in their one time and they come to Vegas and then they drive up to Area 51. And if anybody wants to visit Area 51, I mean, that's the way to do it. Just take a trip to Vegas and then about two and a half hours north, that's where you can find the entrances to Area 51 and see the camo dudes, visit the black mailbox, uh, go to the little alien inn, um, which we know the owners very well. We love those places. Um, and experience it for yourself. And if you're there on a weekend, Dave, you're going to see motorhomes going down these dirt roads and like going up to the front gates. And so looking at that, I mean, it makes me in my gut think that if there is alien technology, it isn't at this place anymore. There are times when I feel like Area 51 is publicized like this for a reason, and they play these games for a reason. Because if the military wants to end something, they could just end it and call it right there. So if they didn't want tourists coming up to the entrance, like why don't they have a physical gate? So then you don't even need a guy in a Ford Raptor to sit there. When we go to so many of these other bases, you can go right up to these fences, and they have surveillance drones and sensors and... Um, you know, like electric fences. So, I mean, even if you hop the fence and ran towards the military base, they're going to shoot you down with a turret or something. I mean, nobody just goes right in. So to see that happening in, at Area 51, it kind of makes me think that things have been moved from there and are located somewhere else, and they're just playing this game to hide those other secret places and keep everyone focused on Area 51. But sometimes the best place to hide is right in the middle of the public. Aye. Yes. But that is when we start getting into stories of things maybe hidden under major cities like L.A. Um, in fact, I've had people theorize to me that NORAD is actually located in Southern California. I don't want to reveal the location, but I believe it, Dave. I've been to this Air Force base. Um, and talk to insiders who tell me this is where it is. And this is in a location where, and it's just funny because I grew up in this area, and I just so happen to know that if you go into these back hills by this Air Force base, there is the most incredible collection of satellite dishes and satellite arrays you've ever seen in your life. It makes no sense. It's military, and it's in the middle of nowhere in civilian population. Well, it is close to this Air Force base and is the way that NORAD um, communicates out into the world. And the person, the source I have, says that his boss closed down NORAD in Colorado, and it's now located here in California, right under a major city. And think of it like our enemy would think about how to do these operations. And that's, you know, how you have to approach anything. How would the other guy think? And so when you're looking at an enemy, where do they hide uh, rockets? They hide it in a school or they hide it in the civilian population. And that's because we won't attack those areas because of civilian losses. And I think that the military, all of our militaries kind of take that same perspective, you know. So out at Area 51, you might have these experimental tests and things going on. But the true experiments, the true hidden places that we would love to know about, the government hides it right under their, right under our noses. All the way from Australia, Steve has a question for you. He says, have you seen all the new so-called weather stations that have been setting up around the area, even one at the Little Ailey Inn? What do you think of those? That one is 
so creepy. Yeah, if you go to the Little Alien Inn, um, in fact, if you like, look on. Uh, uh, I just took it down, but we have a we have a photo we took parked in front of the Little Alien Inn sign, and right behind it is the weather station. Now, this weather station is super tall, and then has like a three hundred and sixty degree camera up on top, and that that listener in Australia is right on the money. I mean, that is the most basic way to watch what's going on. Um, and, and, and my military sources always tell me, bro, they know you're coming before you even get there. And that's because they have things like those weather stations with cameras attached, and they see you coming from a million miles away. Um, so if you go, if you were someone who hiked to the top of Tickaboo Peak, uh, which Tickaboo Peak is the one place really where you can still see into the base, um, but it's like 40 miles away, so you've got to have telescopic lenses. <laughs> You'll hike all the way up to this, all the way up this mountain, and then right at the top of the ridge is a weather station with a video camera, 360 degree. So you'll hike, you know, your little tush off, and get all the way up here and expect to have some type of like solidarity and not be watched by any of these people. <laughs> and there's the camera right there. Um, another perfect example in that listener um, should check out our latest episode, um, the alien encounter at Pine Mountain Club. Um, up above Pine Mountain Club, which is a city, is uh, a mountain called Mount Pinos, and it's about 9,000 foot elevation. Well, as part of our investigation, we decided to hike up to the top of Mount Pinos. You know, that's how serious we take it, and we love to get out and see all these areas. Well, at the top of Mount Pinos, we saw what we thought to be a normal communications tower and like a cell phone tower. Yet when we get there, Dave, this facility 100% is military. So there is no private company tower at the top of this mountain, even though it'd be the most, um, the highest ridge for the area. So you'd have the max reach for like a cell phone company. What do you know? It has a sign on it that says you cannot enter this facility without permission from the installation commander. And so after doing some research, I found out that this is um, some type of gravity sensor. So the government has set up inside of these stations um, gravity sensors which measure uplift and like continental plate shifting from like earthquakes. And from my research, it seems that the government believes that pressures inside the plates of the earth and in fault lines actually create different gravitational fields. So like for some reason, when you have like two faults or uh, two like um, plates pushing against each other, I believe that from what I've read, the government believes that that messes with the gravity field in the area and actually changes like the milligauss reading or whatever you call it. And what do you know, Dave? On top of that weather station is a 360-degree camera, bro. So we hiked all the way up to this mountain, summited the peak, and what do you know? At the top, here's the military facility with a 360-degree camera. We down to about our last four minutes, four and a half minutes with you tonight, Tim. And what a great opening night for you. I, I'm going to tell you that right now. What are you searching for? What is the end result of UFO seekers as you look forward? Uh, we're on a hunt for the truth. Um, I mean, I want, I was a person just, you know, let's assume I'm an industry 
producing a product and there's an end user. Well, I was always the end user of this phenomenon, out there reading the books on Roswell, reading stuff on Area 51, trying to learn about aliens and UFOs. And I couldn't find the right um, like medium to watch to, to help me find my truth personally. And so I really hope that UFO seekers can become that place in the future Unlike MUFON, who's taking more scientific approaches um, to figuring out these phenomenons, but we're the place where people come to actually see the truth for themselves in evidence we provide that can't be refuted. And at the same time, we're helping people um, with bringing closure to their stories, um, helping people who had an alien encounter um, deal with it, um, helping people with a cattle mutilation, figuring out why it's happening, um, helping them f- to figure out why it's happening or to, to stake out their ranch for a month straight to try to catch this happening and give them an answer. And that's what I want people to know about UFO seekers. This is where you can turn in an emergency when you need help and it's a personal relationship between me and you and we're both out to find the truth. And at the same time, I'd like to share that with the public so they stop looking forward at the shopping mall and start looking up at the sky and thinking about the human race leaving this earth and moving on. You know, And that's what I, I really wish more people weren't so really caught up with you know, our political divides and, and ways we perceive how everyone should live and start kind of banding together, you know? And we're not talking like, you know, one world government or anything like that. We're just talking about all of us having like the same principles and goals of getting the human race off this rock and moving out into the universe. And of course, you are now the newest team member of Spaced Out Radio, which we appreciate the affiliate that we are going to be doing. What can you tell our listeners and what they're going to see on the New Look website, what you're going to bring in your monthly features coming on up? Yeah, definitely. Um, UFO Seekers will be bringing to to Spaced Out Radio um, the best content, video content, and first-hand pictures of events, news, and sightings happening around the United States and the rest of the world. Um, We have a a collection of reports that we get in. We don't publicize that information, you know, so if you visit our website and you want to make a UFO report, cattle mutilation, alien encounter, or anything, you make it through there and you know you're going to get anonymity, and we don't share that and give it to anyone else except Spaced Out Radio, um, which will be our platform to share these great and quality sightings with the world. Um, And so, for instance, like right now, I talked in the first hour about the Crescent City sighting. That's what we want to help people. Um, We want to bring more attention to those sightings and hope that someone out there can help us catch evidence or know about what's going on in these localized areas. So... It's going to be a lot of fun, my friend, and I look forward to seeing what is going to happen in your stories that you're going to bring forward with your research as well. Once again, you can find UFO Seekers Tim Doyle at UFOseekers.com and the videos soon to be posted at SpacedOutRadio.com. 
It's a great team that we're building here, and Tim is the newest part of the mighty SOR as we continue to grow bigger and better for all of you. Tim, I'm going to get you to hold on. i got to shut this thing down. In the background, you hear Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thal, formerly of Guns N' Roses, currently of Art of Anarchy, and liking our tweets during the show. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio. Rock with him, horns up, with Little Brother is watching Women Rule the World. Tomorrow night on the program, Bumblefoot's good friend, Jamie Sexton, is going to join us from Rebel Planet News out of Las Vegas. We're going to get into false flags. We're going to get into shootouts. We're going to get into terrorism. It's going to be a fun show tomorrow night as we get a little bit deep into the conspiracy world. 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern time is when we get things going want to say thank you to all of our friends and fans taking part in the chat rooms and on Twitter. You guys were fantastic as usual. I want to thank my team, Everett Themer, Eric Markham from The Encounter Online, Jolene Lammers, Web Design, Catherine James, Social Media, Bob Davis, the dulcet intro voice. Kim Gandy, our Director of Business Development, Thomas McGowan, Sales, and leading our Paracon, Lana Scott. That is your team on the Mighty SOR. I am your host, Dave Scott. And to all of you, do me a favor. Tell a friend. Share it out. And together, we own the night with UFO Seekers and Tim Doyle and Tracy. Mr. Bumblefoot, take us home.